Hello everyone and welcome to the Chompcast, the official video game podcast of Sword Chomp. Our mission is simple, to discuss the video games we are playing, to discuss all issues surrounding gaming, and to cultivate a community of people who want to discuss gaming together. A new month brings exciting times, and in the gaming world, it's no different. There will be many new gaming releases that will be sure to tickle everyone's fancy in October. While many of you will be looking ahead to what's next on your gaming plate, so to speak, here at Sorechomp, we recently have dedicated the first show of every month to looking back and making some definitive lists for games of generations past. Today, we are going to be discussing some of the most overlooked indie games of the 2010s in our personal opinions. These are games that we felt were fun and impactful, or both, or either or, but they didn't get the same notice as some of the classics, like Limbo, Untitled Goose Game, Undertale, Stardew Valley, Hollow Knight, Cuphead, and so on. That list could go on and on and on, but you get the idea. If you are longtime listeners of us, you may have heard us talk about some of these games beforehand. So I just want to apologize in advance if you've already heard this. But maybe we'll offer some new insight for you. After that, we will be discussing the games that we've been playing this week, such as Overwatch 2, Horizon Forbidden West, Dokoroko, and Castle Crashers Remastered HD. We will round out the show with our preliminary thoughts on the Mario movie trailer. So, let's get into the intros. I am Shay Layton, and I will be your host for today. I am joined by someone who is known around these parts for being an indie game aficionado. To be honest, I owe this person a lot for opening me up to the world of indie games, They have constantly provided some incredible suggestions for me, and it's opened my world up immensely. So please welcome to the show, Josh Fowler. Josh, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Uh, Pretty uh, good enough. I'm recovering. (laughs) Recovering from your sour Uh, Uh, energy drink? (laughs) Well, that too. That too. I was talking about that before the show. Yeah, every now and then. Shay and I do this. We we see the worst possible... I mean, frankly, I think this is probably a good 20% of the U.S. food market's sales strategy at this point is to release something that looks so bad that you have to try it. Yep. Um, Absolutely. So anyway, I grabbed a Sour Watermelon Warheads energy drink, and it is atrocious, but, but smells exactly like Sour Warheads, or the Sour Watermelon water, Warheads, rather. Um, I so, think that's kind of important, though. Yeah, like, no, they, they I, got the smell down at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna open it up, and and be pleasantly surprised that it smells very much like you expect it to. Mm. But then also, it's an energy drink. So, that's, what that's, makes the it, taste bad? <sighs> I mean, I know because you were telling me beforehand, but it's it's got that that energy drink supplement taste where part Mm. of I don't know if it actually is any of the crap they put in the energy drinks or if they intentionally add a medicinal flavor to them so you feel like you're getting something out of it 
they add a shot of cough syrup. Yeah, but like they they all taste like medicine, and this is kind of the same. It's got that really like ridiculously astringent, low bitter note in it that a lot of medicines right. have. That'll just yeah. it just sticks around forever after you've had some of it. You know, I would laugh if there was a certain sect of doctors like for April Fool's Day would give out medicine and give out sour versions of it to kids like cough syrup. Yeah. <laughs> just to, just for prank's sake. Yep. Yep. <sighs> but outside of the energy uh, might drink, go over better than the original. Uh, <laughs> it's true actually. Yeah. But outside of the energy drink, have things been relatively good this week? Yeah, no, it's it's been a pretty good week. I'm finally getting over a lot of my long COVID, like, horrible cough nonsense that I've been having since then, to the point where I've been able to walk without just, you know, hacking up along and decided it's time to start working out again. And uh, I intentionally cut back my workout a lot, knowing it was going to be, you know, some work getting back to normal. Right. I did not I did up. not cut it back as much as I needed to apparently because I only got about halfway through what I what I was planning on doing before I had to just lie down on the floor to avoid throwing up everywhere. Because uh, <laughs> I was about uh, to die. Just Dude, I feel that on just so many levels. Ready to puke. For me. I feel yeah. that on so many levels. It, like yesterday I did my because I had covid midway through August and I did my first leg workout yesterday and I, I, I like you, I scaled back my, my usual leg day, like duration and the number of exercises. I usually have like a set number of exercises and I kind of yeah. rotate them out. And I was like, I'm going to probably half that today. That way I don't exhaust myself, which was the right choice. But I like there's this one exercise I was doing. I can't remember which. Oh, it was a uh, Bulgarian split squats. I'm I'm doing that. I'm like I'm fucking dying on this. Like <laughs> yeah. after each set, like I'm I'm doubled over, like clutching my knees. Like fuck, I like my body wasn't ready for this. But yeah. then the next exercise I was doing, I was like mentally, I was like I'm not tired. <laughs> I, like I, it's weird how the brain works. Like certain exercises yeah. like take it out of you, and other ones you're like not yep. mentally gonna get the best of me kind of thing but mm -hmm. yeah co covid kind of has a way like if you're coming off those symptoms pretty quickly and then going into a workout the mental aspect is only going to take you so far because yeah yeah your body can't handle it yet yeah like i thought i could power through it i'm like all right i'm i'm way more worn out than i should be let's we're gonna keep going and then all of a sudden i'm like i'm gonna puke it's like just out of nowhere like i've yeah it was that, it was that is horrible. not a fun feeling either. Yeah. Like you're exhausted and you're like, oh, now I got to puke on top of that. Yep. Yeah, it's it was it was feeling. it was the worst. So, yeah. Well, hopefully talking about games makes you forget all about that for a few hours. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm excited about this topic, to be honest with you. Yeah. Now, Rich has decided to take a week off after being asked to give a speech at an abandoned insane asylum. When he actually arrived there, he, he was messaging me about this um, a few days ago. He found out that there was nobody to give a speech to, and the businesswoman who asked them to deliver it 
was also missing from the building, I guess. So he later became trapped and spent three days haunted by what he described as silly ghosts and possessed dildos left behind by a homeless camp years prior. Mm. So he's, uh, he's been recovering physically and mentally. I wouldn't say he's emaciated, but his body was definitely exhausted from not having adequate food for a few days and yeah um, yeah having to drink stale toilet water left behind yeah yeah that'll that'll mm. <laughs> that'll do it <laughs> i don't know what it'll do but that will do it mm-hmm. <laughs> i i want to know where that where that businesswoman get off to it's a real question who was she? I know, right? Was it Nurse Ratchet? Really, you, you got to get contact info for for that sort of things. It's just to avoid <laughs> avoid hauntings. It's it's yeah. You can't be too careful. You'll yeah. Uh, At least I hope he was paid you know, up front. You know. You know, it's it's funny. He told me that like he was given the number one eight hundred three six. Six, eight, two, six, six, which actually I I calculated it out just now comes out to one eight hundred. Don't boo. Uh-huh. That he didn't he didn't figure that out for himself. That that could be a possible uh, indicator that he was uh, being bamboozled. Bamboozled. Mm. Sorry, I, I I didn't. That wasn't planned. This is all improv, and it's shitty improv, and I'm trying to work through it. Mm-hmm. Little do you know, we don't really actually like talking about video games anymore. We just try and come up with bits and like work on our improv, because we're all going to go out on the road. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're... This is all a vessel for this podcast at this point. By listening to this show, you're, you really are just kind of... Guinea pigs for uh for an, an awful lot of our our unpaid you know learning experiences um right, yeah, we're just trying to build up our tight five right now, yeah. and each week we're we're slowly working on our material, yeah, yeah, I mean, at this pace, we only probably need another twenty years to get actually up to five minutes of actual comedy. <laughs> So. You know, it's funny. We've been doing this for six years. We still don't have a full minute. You'd, you'd think we, you'd think you'd think by now there'd be five <laughs> minutes of content spread throughout. But but no, we had to divide that between each of us. And it's just it hasn't it hasn't broken a minute yet. So that's that'd be funny if like we each wanted five minutes. Mm-hmm. And after each show, we're like, you know, I'm going to take that joke. Yeah, no, I'm going to. Yep. And it's like it's like we have to. Uh, rock paper scissors to decide who gets the bit. And yeah, you write the bit. You're yeah. like, damn, it's only like twenty five second bit. Exactly. It's not as funny with you guys not being there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someday. Someday. Someday we'll get to that tight five, or at least five. Yeah. Which is uh, what I also call my last girlfriend a tight five. Anyways, uh, <laughs> let's get into that. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, let's get into the, the topic of the show, which waspy is uh, perfection. <laughs> the tight five. 
<laughs> the tight five. Isn't that a, a a rejected song that John Coltrane wrote? The tight five. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I know it wasn't. I know it wasn't John Coltrane that wrote Take Five. I know that. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. All right. That it was. It was a. It was like a jazz. Yeah. I know it was yeah. a Dave Brubeck quartet, but okay. Yeah. 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 That's what yeah. that's why I was like it was like a different person writing a similar but Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slightly yeah. erotic version of it. Yeah. Anyways. Um not not a good joke. So we'll we'll <laughs> just guys, sorry, we'll get into the actual topic now. Our our comedy is done. Yeah. Uh or not. We're we're trying we're trying our best. We're still well shy of a minute. So <laughs> Uh as according to Rolex not a sponsor. No. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyways, the topic of the show: the most overlooked games of the tw- or indie games of the 2010s. Now, um, I pretty much said you know kind of what the 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 preamble and the the intro, but basically it's just going to be games that you know maybe the critics received well, but um, not enough eyes got on it, or even perhaps not enough critics saw it, and it kind of just got swept under the rug or forgotten about pretty quickly whatever the case may be and this is just our opinion so maybe in your wheel of friends or in your smaller community in the bigger community of gaming some of the games we name may be bigger in those smaller pockets of communities but in our um line of sight so to speak it's not as big or we try to keep our hands out of other communities pockets you know, just call us Robin Hood. No, uh, that's horrible. I gotta stop this attempt at comedy. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go first. Um, just to kind of set the tone. Yeah. This is a game that barely came out in the 2010s. Uh, this is a game that I actually talked about at length in our previous video game podcast that we did all those years ago, Josh. The mm-hmm. Misadventures of PB Winterbottom is the first game I'm going to wow. talk about. Okay, I don't know why. Did you forget I about like that, that game? Was... No, I remember it. I I've liked a few of the things they've done since then. Or one thing, I've done one thing since then. They've they've done a few things. They've done a few but games. That feels like forever ago. It didn't even cross my mind that that was in the 2010s. I feel like that's you know back in like 07, 09 yeah. territory. Yeah, no, February 17th, 2010 is when okay. it was released on the Xbox 360. So, wow. Yeah, it was, it was pretty early in the 2010s. Now, this is a game, um, just for a little, a tiny bit of background for those of you who don't know what this game is. And it's like, what the fuck is that title? This is a puzzle platformer game that um, aesthetically looks like a silent film. So there's no actual dialogue in the game. It's all told with the cue card style kind of thing that silent films were famous for. And the whole premise of the game is you're playing as the titular character, PB Winterbottom, who is collecting these Kronos pies and these Chrono pies, Kronos pies allow him to uh, clone himself and to control time to some extent in order to solve puzzles. And it was very reminiscent of a game that came out in 2008 called Braid, which I'm sure many of you are very 
familiar with because that game is very popular. Mm-hmm. And for good reason. It's a classic game. But the Misadventures of PB Winterbottom was kind of toted at the time even as being like a differently aesthetic it's not even a word, but I'm going with it. Uh, braid, essentially. And it was kind of written off by a lot of people. And I think part of that is due to the fact that Braid came out first. And also the aesthetic of the game is for a certain style of people. Yeah. So um, the, the puzzling was very similar to Braid um, in that you have to rewind time or fast forward time or you have to use your clones and have them do different activities while you're manipulating time to accomplish the goal per level. And I don't remember the story that much, to be honest with you. I don't think there is much story as compared to something like Braid. It was more of just like this guy was collecting all the Kronos pies. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think it's fairly light and mostly just revolved around kind of setting up the MacGuffin for, for you to go collect those pies. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't know this. Um, the game was originally created as like the se- senior thesis of one of the two minds of the odd gentleman, which was the developers slash studio of the misadventures of PB Winterbottom. But it's a game that has stuck with me for 12 years now because it was so aesthetically distinct from any other game I had played. And I would still say to this day, it is a very aesthetically distinct game. Um, Not a lot of games have tried to tackle that silent film. um, I wouldn't say noir, but silent film style in a video game. And it worked really well for what the game was trying to accomplish. And it was a ton of fun. It was challenging in all the right ways. And um, it was forgiving in some ways, I would say. But it's a game that I don't think a lot of people have heard about or played. And unfortunately, it's not available um, in very many places. Yeah. So I don't I'm trying to remember if they got a PC release, because if not, it's going to be pretty hard to track down. I'm almost positive that it did, but I'm, I'm obviously not. Yeah. So the the PC version was released exclusively via Steam on April. 20th, yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, it did. It did get a Steam release. I don't know why. Did, but anyway, it's it's not a game that a lot of people have heard of, uh, to my knowledge. And it's like even at the time of release, while it was critically received pretty well by uh, various outlets, it just didn't get the same praise and love as something like, um, at the time like Braid yeah. or Cave Story or, um, some of the other games that came out around that time. And it's unfortunate because I think. I think if it was you like puzzle games. Yeah. It's a really fantastic version. Yeah, it's a it's a very solid puzzle platformer um game. Um and yeah, I think I think a big part of it not catching on to that extent was kind of that whole Xbox arcade mindset of, well, we've seen Braid already. Uh and it's it's a yes. similar thing. Um yeah, yeah. Just which is unfortunate, but yeah. I will say this. Um t- two last things about that is I th- other than I think it's a phenomenal game and you should play it. Um one of the things that I was reading about and this may put a damper on some people thinking like, "Oh, that sounds cool. Maybe I'll try it." 
Um, I actually learned this before the show. The Odd Gentleman went on to develop and create some other games. The other main one is a King's Quest. Yes, yeah, Um, they were the ones in charge of the King's Quest uh, reboot a couple years back. Right. Two years back. So they, so they were, um, they were tapped to make another game from another company, and it's a very long ordeal. Um, there's a I, I didn't know about this um at the time to be honest with you, but they were um they were tapped by I'm trying to figure out the other company's name really quick that way I get it right. Yeah. Uh What Pumpkin to work on a game called Hive Swap. And they were given a lot of money. There was a Kickstarter for it and everything. And after months of basically just like brushing off requests of hey, when when do you think this game's gonna be done? What 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 do you got? They gave a basically unplayable demo, which was one of the like a, a like a truly shitty demo where it's just a room, a character that can't really be moved, um, so on and so forth. And they took some of the Kickstarter money that they got to make this game and put it into a King's Quest instead. And huh. uh, I I didn't know anything about this. It took place in 2016 um, when I hadn't all this even heard about that out. other game. That seems strange. Huh. So, unfortunately, like that, I, 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 <laughs> I mean, ignorance is bliss. Sometimes, part of me wishes I didn't read about that right before the show because, uh, it makes it hard to suggest the game. But the game itself, I mean, if you're the type of person who can separate the art from the artist, yeah, um, it is a, it really, truly is a phenomenal game, and it's a, it's a good game to play over the span of like three or four days you will if you're the type of person who likes puzzle games you will get addicted to it and you will not want to put it down until you finish it and it's going to take you a few days because some of those puzzles are truly difficult um towards the back end of the game i recommend it if you can look past the artist situation but i also understand if you're like that sounds really cool but that's also really shitty of that developer i don't want to give them any money I get that too. I'm, you know, I, I can see both camps, but I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think it was a phenomenal game for, for the time. Um, it was a super fun game. And if it sounds like something you'd be interested in, you absolutely should go check it out. It is a hell of a game that I don't think got enough of the love and attention that it should have at the time. That is my first one. Uh, Josh, I know you have a, massive list that you said man i could pick from that is like a whole armada of games i my like i told you off the air my plan is to give you a majority of the time here (laughs) um because you are the indie guy but i kind of wanted to just set the tone for kind of the formatting of what i'm thinking because you know sometimes and this is kind of behind the scenes for you guys the listeners I don't always tell the guys exactly what I'm thinking when I pick these topics. I, you know, we have a, we have an area where I will just kind of schedule the topics per week for us, but I don't tell them exactly. We don't necessarily discuss the topic and, um, in finer detail because I want to get the guys' genuine, authentic opinions right out the gate. 
And so for this one, he didn't really, like we were talking about it before the show. He's like, you know, I don't really know how to approach the quote unquote overlooked aspect of this topic. And so we kind of talked about it for a very brief like minute before we started the, the episode. But I, I told him, I was like, I want to set the tone, but I'm going to give you a majority of the time. So enough deliberating. Now you guys understand. Uh, Josh, what is, you, go ahead with like one or two or even three of your picks if you want. And I'll, I'll, I'll throw my other one kind of towards the back end. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, this was a tough one to go for because finding sales for indie games is next to impossible because no one really tracks them. Game sales in general are hard enough to track, mm. even for AAA studios. Um, yeah. But then just almost no one is trying to keep track of sales for uh, indie games. So that's no. that was out the window right away. So I'm like, okay, do I go off of what I've heard of? Like just, you know, people talking about on Twitter or whatnot. Well, that kind of allows you to skip the first half of the 2010s because, I mean, Twitter has been around for a while but really didn't catch on that much to be a reliable source of that. Hmm. Um, it's it's tough. It, it, is, it is a hard thing figuring out if a game is really that overlooked or not. Um, whenever, as a rule, all indie games are pretty overlooked. Um, uh, most of, most of them. Most yeah. Of them. Yeah. I'd say there are a select few that, catch that really capture the cultural zeitgeist and yes. definitely don't get overlooked. Exactly. You know, like Untitled Goose Game. You remember that like it was everywhere. three month period where fucking every celebrity was going into an interview like, oh, I love this game. Mm-hmm. You know, for example. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so anyway, I, I am mostly going by, it's an indie game that I actually really liked because, I mean, it can be over, there are plenty of games that are overlooked that are terrible, but there's, it's not worth bringing them to your attention. Um, <laughs> a, I really liked them, and B, it didn't get a lot of reviews, so people weren't talking about it too much. It didn't get a lot of buzz in mm. any of the magazines or websites if you were trying to find out about them at the time. Um, so that's kind of the criteria I went with, which is still broad and vague. And yeah, yeah, this is this and is I all fairly a, nebulous. You're you're gonna have to yes. you're gonna have to roll with it. But anyway, um. Out of those, um, I figured I'd start with a couple we've talked about on this show already, just so you kind of knock them out if you've been listening for a long time. And if not, well, you've got old shows to go back and listen to if you care to search for them. Um, But on this show, some games that have been very overlooked that we've talked about and I've, I've really enjoyed. Uh, our cross code, and we've talked about that recently. We just did a chomping after dark about cross code, and nice plug there. That game which you can check out at swordchomp.com. Mm-hmm. That game is one of my favorite RPGs of all time. It is so so ridiculously good, and almost no one talks about this game ever. Like it just it doesn't come up. Um, right. 
I think part of that was it being a PC only release for a long time, um, which just kind of limits your scope. Not that much because it's it's a whole lot easier to get into PC gaming now, and especially if you're releasing a low spec PC game, hmm. it has it has a chance. Um, but yeah, it just it it sadly did not catch on. But it is an RPG uh, that's kind of. set in an MMO world, but not entirely in that. It's, it's a whole thing. We, we, we did a whole show on it. If you, if you care to go listen. Um, but I absolutely love it. I love the story. I love the characters, the music, the combat. It is the whole package. It is such a good game. Uh, and sadly does not get talked about near enough. Um, I I will say, I will say that, um in in our circle of people, you know, friends that we talk to who like games, there are a few people who have played that game and the few who have played, mm-hmm. they they've either said they love it or they love it and they just they got distracted by something else and never returned to it, which is exactly what happened to me for 4 years. I love that game. <laughs> yeah. Waited 4 years, finally played it and I was like, "Oh my god, why did I wait for 4 years?" Yeah. But I will still say that despite having a few friends who have played the game and loved it, not enough people know about this game and not yes. enough people have played it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is, it is an easy game. We talked about this at the time, but this, this game is one of the few that gives you good positions to kind of offboard. Um, like, okay, that, that, w- that was a good enough play session. I feel like I've accomplished something. I can stop now. Like, it... it it's good at, at giving you that feeling, which uh, I really like. It kind of allows you to, you know, play for a good chunk and then stop for a while. It's just, it's so easy to get distracted at this point that a lot of games try their best to never give you those at this mm. point. And I don't really like that feeling of never a good spot to stop. Um, I'm just, I don't know. I'm not a huge marathon through a show sort of a guy. Like I just, it's just, just not my thing. Um, right. But anyway, yeah, I've, I've also heard, like you said, people really love it and then just don't finish it. And then because of that, don't tell everyone else. Um, mm-hmm. sort of a thing. Um, yeah. So cross code. That's a uh, fantastic choice. Um, and I think, I think the way, because you were telling me, that you're worried about some of these being like ones that we discussed before. I think that's a different take on it. Um, it's not, it's not what we discussed in the chomping after dark episode when we discussed it. Cause that was more story driven and like thought analysis and whatnot. This is more yeah. just like, why, why do we think it belongs on this list? And so I think that is yeah. a great analysis. Yeah. All right. So, so next one that I've also talked yes. about, I wouldn't say at length, but I brought it up on the show quite a few times. It came up mm. even game of the year stuff. I, another game I really love, uh, later alligator, uh, the mm, yes, just adorably animated, uh, point and click adventure slash puzzle game. Cause this one's really more focused. It's got, uh, if, if you're remotely into the scene, it's got that Nancy, Nancy drew style adventure game where there's a story and then instead of having adventure game puzzles, 
you'll like talk to someone and they'll give you, I mean, Professor Layton does the same thing. The, the sort of, Hey, what's up? You, you know, you'll talk to somebody and they'll just give you a random, it's just a fucking puzzle that happens to be in this game. Like Nancy Drew kind of does similar things. Not all of them. Some of the, some of the later games or not later, but I mean, in, in the last half a decade or so, they've kind of switched to some more traditional adventure game style puzzles. But anyway, later alligator is just the, the most charming game. Uh, with um, animations by Smallboo, the uh, mm. animation studio. You've probably seen some of their stuff on Twitter here and there when it's caught on because they are just so charming. They're, they 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 do hand-drawn animations that just have so much character. Um, and anyway, they, they made this it, it adventure game. Cute adventure game Art about style. alligators and each of these little alligators that are part of this one big alligator family have their own personalities and it just it comes through so wonderfully that you you come to love all these different characters um and it is excellent and avoids a lot of that nonsense puzzle design that adventure games are kind of plagued with by just giving you complete non sequitur Oh, this is just a regular puzzle type things to figure out instead of that. Um, which would feel jarring in any other situation, but whatever. Like, it's, it works. It makes the game significantly more approachable. That too. So, um, yeah, that, that game is cute as hell just visually. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Some, and some of the dialogue that happens in that game. Granted, oh I have not. Yeah. The writing is it, but I've, hilarious. I've watched some videos on it and stuff. Super charming. Yeah, it's it's so funny. Um, yeah, yeah, I love it. I, I absolutely love that game. And this one, again, going off of that criteria of not enough reviewers played it, I was on Metacritic and it had three reviews, which is not enough to have it have an aggregate score that pops up when you search for it. Like, it still says TBA whenever you go to look at this game, which is a shame oh, really? because this is a great game and only three people have reviewed the thing. <laughs> like, how is, how has this happened? Uh, I think, like, if you want, you should do kind of like a retroactive review of that. Not say that, like, our yeah. review will tip the scales or anything like that, but I think in this case, more is better. Yeah, no, I, I think so, because... I, I, I know that point-and-click adventures are just not the most popular genre. Um, right. And that, that's a big portion of that. But still, like, they were a big part of a lot of our childhoods for anyone, you know, for, for, for us elder millennials. And it's kind of mm. sad that they've kind of gotten forgotten amongst all the other classics of the, uh, the nineties era. I mean, they're not gotten forgotten. Everyone still knows them when you talk about the, the, the big games, you know, that were a part of it. But as far as, you know, people still talking about them, going back and playing them. It's just not as prevalent. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate because I think, yeah, that some of those games, I think a lot more people would enjoy if they were, willing to give those things a chance but at the same mm -hmm. time as you've kind of found and i've kind of found with streaming 
that I always like those moments where you find the people who come in. It's like, I did, had no idea anybody else liked this game except me. <laughs> and then yeah. you guys can sit there and kind of talk about your love for that game. Exactly. I just love those moments. Yeah, yeah. Those are some of the best moments. But, oh, yeah. Um, let me throw another one in there before you yeah, go, go, ahead, go, go ahead. on. So this one, I'm, I'm, I fully expect to get a little bit of pushback, and that's okay. I'm willing to accept that. I think Bastion is one of the most overlooked <laughs> games of the 2010s. I'm not even joking. That, that's, I'm not joking on that one. I do think it is. Wasn't it 2009? No way! No, it better not be. I, I thought was, I, I th- a. I think it's not that overlooked, but B. Wasn't that one? That's like twenty eleven. I think was it twenty eleven? I thought it was on. Good grief! So many of these feel like they're ancient yes. at this point. Was it twenty eleven? I was right. It was twenty eleven. Okay. I knew I had my. I knew I had my dates on that. I actually remember that game very well when it first came out. So I was like, I'm almost positive. Yeah, I guess it was. Good grief. That feels ancient at this point. How how was that overlooked? Okay, well, I let me tell you why. I think that obviously it did put Supergiant on the map, so to speak. Gr- granted, they had some powerhouse um powerhouses working in the back, you know, Greg Kasavin being one of the big ones that, you know, he came off of game gaming journalism to write um, for Supergiant, and I think a lot of people were looking forward to that. But I think if you think about now, retroactively, that... What's people still talk su- about? When su- people talk about Supergiant, they don't usually talk about Bastion. Or All their games are going to be overshadowed, uh, overshadowed compared to Hades at this point, but... Well, I, yeah, I don't expect Bastion to be overshadowing Hades by any stretch of the imagination. I still... A part of me still likes Bastion better, even though I know objectively Hades is a much better game and whatnot, yeah. but I still have, uh, and that's probably all nostalgia, but I still have a very special place in my heart for Bastion, but it's a little stiff. I've, I've gone back to play it not super long ago at this point. Mm. It's still great. The story, the writing in it, the music, the, the art, everything's great. The voice acting. The, yeah, yeah, all of that. The The, the combat is a little stiff compared to Hades at it this is. point. It is. Absolutely. But, but I think that when people think about Supergiant now, that they think about Hades. And obviously, rightfully so. But even before that, um, when you heard Supergiant, you know, half, half of the people who you ask about that who enjoy games, that you know, like, enjoy games, not as like, I, I play Call of Duty or Whatever the case may be, I play Fortnite. But people who are act, like actively enjoy games, yeah, half people are not going to know who Supergiant is. And even at that point, they're going to have different reference points for Supergiant. Some people like Bastion. Some people like Transistor. Some people like Pyre. And I think that the critics um, very much love Bastion. I, I will say that. Bastion got a lot of love amongst critics and media. But I think for the average person, that not as many people have heard or even played Bastion as I would have expected. And this is just, <sighs> again, yeah. personal experience for me. Um, obviously, I could be very wrong. And, you know, I, maybe I'm, I I'm pretty been sure that right sold people. really well, even though it was the, you know, closing in on the tail end of that generation. But mm. I'm 
I'm pretty sure that sold very well. But you might be right. You might be right. I could be totally just talking yeah, about my I, ass. I know transistor transistor kind of flopped because it was doing that whole strategy thing that, you know, turns everybody off, which is why they never announced that, you know, Brutal Legend was a strategy game in, until it came out. <laughs> mm, um, right. So, to, to your credit, maybe, maybe I am talking out of my ass. During 2011, <laughs> the game sold more than 500,000 copies. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that... <laughs> So I maybe this is more anecdotal well. for me. Maybe this is more anecdotal for me. Yeah, then, no, I like, mean, it, especially my, at this point, circle. especially at this point, I don't hear a lot of people still talking about it. But then again, I don't hear a lot of people talking about any of these games anymore I think, at this point. Well, I think, yeah, and that's that's part of it for me. Like, are people still talking about this game when they're talking about the best indie games? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, relatively speaking, the indie market is a new market when you consider video games as a whole um in terms of popularity and it being in the mainstream yeah as far as it being is a back in the mainstream yeah it is very new um compared to the lifespan of video games yeah it's kind of where the industry started really until it got all you know subsumed by a few big companies and then it's it's clawed its way back that's very true. That's very true. The thing that I would say is when I think about my personal favorite indie games of all time or even of the 2010s, and then I look at the best indie game lists or I talk with friends yeah. or acquaintances about their favorite indie games, I try and think about, like, where does my mine stack up comparatively? Yeah. Like, my favorite indie games stack up comparatively to these lists to the people I'm talking to. And I rarely ever hear anybody say Bastion. And that's so bizarre to me. Um, I think Bastion is fucking so incredible in so many different ways. And the fact that that was Supergiant's first game and it was such an overwhelming success, quote unquote, in terms of everything it was trying to do. I'm not talking about sales. I'm not talking about um, critical praise or reception. I'm talking about no, just No, it was just success. solid. It was like a completely just wholly put together experience. Like it had yes. challenge rooms, it had so many different weapons you could play with, it had you know, everything going for it for an indie game and a lot of game or a lot of like first releases from a developer. Hmm. A lot of that stuff just wouldn't have been thought about. It's and it's crazy too to think about just like how everything was a, a like a fucking hit and a success. Like Darren Korb doing the soundtrack was phenomenal. That fa- that yeah, soundtrack is yeah. still phenomenal Outstanding. in twenty twenty two. Yeah, uh, Logan they've not released has, a bad soundtrack. He, no, he, is, they he has he has had one hundred percent hit rate on those things. They have been excellent. They're all fire. Oh yeah. Um, Logan Cunningham doing the narration in Bastion and. I think what's what's cool to me is when we first played Bastion because we played it for our old video game podcast mm-hmm. and how how high we were on the game and how new of a company Supergiant was and to see where they're at today um where yeah. they have almost all of the same personnel 
that worked with him yeah. on the very since the very inception of the company that they've managed to keep all these people together to make three other games outside of Bastion. The yep. fact that as of now, um, at the recording of this, that they've had no major issues with any kind of scandals or anything like that. Um, when when I was very fortunate to talk to Greg Kasavin, I think it's about four years ago now, which is crazy to me. Um, and picking his brain on um, Bastion and the the development of that and the history of making that game, just hearing him talk about how the people at that company genuinely like working with each other and want to yeah. stay working together. And that's like when you think about all the biggest projects and all the best projects, not just in video gaming, but in media in general. I think the common denominator is that people genuinely enjoy working with each other. They have the right personnel that mesh well, and mm -hmm. they want to go into work to work with each other. I mean, that's something that I've heard about Scrubs. Um, you know, I, I, I frequently listen to the Scrubs podcast with yeah, Dark yeah. Real Friends. Um, that they've talked about that those guys genuinely, guys and gals genuinely love working together. And I think that is one of the better, if not one of the best, like in the top tier of TV shows of all time. Um, yeah. You know, like the, the best things, best media forms are ones that come from people who, not always, but a lot of times come from people who genuinely love working together. And to see Supergiant have all the success that they've had um, building off from the beginnings of Bastion to now and to do it with the same personnel and to do it right, so to speak. It's just phenomenal. And yeah. for, for me, that's like, that's part of the reason why I say Bastion is also overlooked as well, because yes, Hades is the culmination of everything they've done. And Hades is such a good game, but none of it would have been possible without them just coming out the gate with such a oh, yeah. great product in Bastion. And that's why, to me, I think it's overlooked. And yeah, yes, when you so, look at so the many sales indie, and indie devs have one release just because, you know, it's a lot of work getting a game, you know, to, to a point where it's ready to be released as a, as a, finished product that that you can <laughs> could then move on to you know additional projects after that is not a given for the indie scene that is that is absolutely not a given um and yeah that I, I think bastion really did set them up in a position to you know be able to keep making some great stuff which is really impressive yeah, I mean to to ask or to to add credibility to what Josh is saying about like indie developers sometimes taking years and years to develop a game. Just ask Tim Sorit and the Last Night. <laughs> yeah, a project that hasn't been announced dead, but pretty much should be at this point. It seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. You never know. Could come out of the woodworks. Yeah. Do you have one or more, one or two more uh, indie games that you want to mention, Josh? Yeah, I've, I've got one or two, on a break? dozen more. 
<laughs> I like that. That was the deadpan delivery was great. Um, yeah. Um, how, how about this? Pick, pick. Because I'm an asshole. Yeah. Pick three more tops if you can narrow it down to three. Yeah, I think I've got three, and then I think one of those three I'm gonna do a similar thing to your Bastion thing there, but also okay. Eh, whatever. Um, I think it did a similar this, thing, and also opinion, no one talks about it anymore outside of like, you know, the people who are mostly dev, and not most, not, not like either devs or journalists. I still hear mm. talk talk about it, or you know, just because it was such an impactful thing, um, for the medium. But anyway, doesn't get talked about anymore. Um, oh boy. No, no, we talked about this before before the show. How I assumed you were going to talk about Alboy, but then you you didn't bring it up. But yes, Alboy. You know, I probably it. should. I probably should have brought it up. You could bring it up. Sold. We I could. We we could talk about Alboy because yeah, I I think that one got enough reviews and whatnot that it wasn't like completely out of the loop. But you know, right. it didn't it's so really it sold significantly less than Bastion did. Yes. Yes. Um. Anyway, Sorry, I guess if, if we're not getting into it too much, Owlboy, real good. Great yeah, story, we'll great pixel that. art. Go, go, go play Owlboy. Um, yes. There you go. Um, roundabout. Sorry, I distracted you. I'm yeah, sorry. sorry. I'm, I'm going kind of in, in reverse order here. I'm going to head back to that one that I was telling you about is the, you know, you could give me shit about it if you've, are really in the loop, but I still think most people don't know about it. Um, okay. So we'll, 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 we'll land there, but Roundabout is one that is just extremely obscure, again. Um, not enough people have heard about it. Um, it is a, a really arcadey sort of feeling. I was going to say driving game. It's not a driving game at all, but you are a car. Um, well, you're not a car. You are a limo driver, but you, you don't drive like the other limo drivers. You, you drive mm. in your own unique way that has, has caught a lot of attention and causes a lot of drama, and there's a, a ton of melodrama around your specific style of driving, which is that the limo you're in just spins around and around constantly. Um, basically just doing, just doing donuts over and over again. You're just, just spinning. Um, and you can I like it. change your direction uh, as you move around. And the, you know, the arcadey feel of it is finding a way to deliver someone somewhere while constantly spinning in order to fit through different streets and whatnot. You have to move yourself kind of in time with this spinning um of your of your limousine um and it's got live action cutscenes kind of bookending every mission that you go on to 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 drop someone off as your limousine taxi service um and uh anyway there's like a whole love story there with you know you and one of the passengers that you meet and also, like, uh, um, 
maybe maybe he's a hallucination, maybe he's not skeleton that you meet and chauffeur around occasionally when you're on mushrooms. Um huh. it's the game is bizarre and I love it. It is just I I really like that sort of really mechanics focused arcadey like we're we're going to focus on an, an, a a very unique gameplay mechanic and do everything we can with it sort of a feel that occasionally you get and this is one of those games that I think just really did that well no, like there's there's nothing like this game at all yeah i um, remember you talking about this game too at one yeah. point and anyway it just the 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 style has kind of caught on since then with the whole you know oh we can we can just record people and have them be part of our games with like all the Sam Barlow games now. And, and there, there are other companies doing similar things like, Oh, we can just record people, put them in our games. Um, yep. like, you know, cause it makes more sense than having to do the full models. On like that premise too. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's just, it's become as the graphics have gotten better. It's made more sense to just put videos of people in there as well. With, like with with like especially like the remedy stuff they've been they've done that have had you know oh we're we're licensing this person's image anyway what why don't we actually just record them and put them in you know some of the cutscenes just that way uh which is is cool looks really great um this was not trying to you know revolutionize graphics or anything as far as that goes but you know they had a lot of fun with it um with these ridiculous stories um yeah, really good game. Roundabout. If you are looking for a fun arcadey game with that nobody's ever with, heard with of. a hallucinated skeleton that you know may give you horrible advice when you're trying to chauffeur people around on mushrooms in your limousine, your rotating yes. limousine. Um, yes, absolutely need to play that. Yes. Um. Next one, <laughs> Reseteer, an item tale, an item shop's tale, is, an, I guess at this point it's about a decade old. Um, yeah, I've never even heard of ish, it. Uh, PC game where you are running an item shop in like a generic um, JRPG town. Um, you know, you you uh, lay out your shop, pick what you want to put in each spot, um, mm. set your prices, and and try to make a living running an item shop in a JRPG. Um, Interesting. So it's kind of like a like a it has a lot of sim elements to it. It sounds. It's like got too. a lot of sim elements in it. It's also got a little bit of like kind of action dungeon crawling stuff because eventually you'll be able to well you've made enough money that we we need better items in there i i should go into the dungeon myself and and get a few of these items to stock up on so i can sell them to other adventurers that you know need um so there's a you know like a light dungeon crawling portion of it which is mostly just to get more stuff for you to sell in your shop um but okay. this this was also kind of early on in that slice of life really simmy type movement that we've seen in the indie space 
in the yeah. last decade. This is this is yeah. one of the earlier games that kind of brought a lot of that about, and it had a cult following at the time, but it has kind of not been talked about almost at all outside of that, you know, little it, little it makes, group that love the game. It makes me wonder if there's any kind of influence there on current gaming um, with the Slice of Life games, because if you remember back in that Nintendo Direct back uh, last month, that they had a bunch of farming sims, and one of the farming sims was touting itself as a farming RPG where you do yeah. farming, but you go out and you still fight things. Makes me wonder if this game had any influence on the developers of that game. I mean, possibly. I have to imagine that if you are looking in the space, you've got to at least be aware of this game if you're if you're developing it. Um, developing a game. I mean, not, not strictly. Like people have ideas for games and just go out and make them. That that happens right. a lot of times where people come into the gaming space making a game instead of, um, you know, by playing a bunch of games and deciding they want to make a game from that side of it. Mm, like, right. that, that happens. Like, you, you don't see it as much, but, um, yeah. I, I think anyone who's really into this sort of thing has just probably played Reseteer. Um, if, if, you were, if this sounds interesting-ish, um, there is actually, in, in the next, not long now, uh, less than two weeks, a week, a week-ish from when this show comes out, uh, Potionomics looks like it is looking, is, is doing a very similar thing where you are running a potion shop for, uh, oh, yes. for adventurers, and that one is instead of being a, you know, pixel art slash, you know, whatever out of the box engine system they built the thing in game it it is a much more polished um you know they've got a lot of extremely charming uh 3D character animations that they have for the like bartering um mini game that you do with customers who come in to haggle with you over the potions you're selling um mm. And it's it is ridiculously charming. That's 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 another one that I'm I'm really looking forward to because I enjoyed Rest of Tear so much, and and also again because, you know. I I, I saw the, uh, the animators who were working on this, posting some of the early work they were doing on it, and they are just, such excellent animations that they're putting into this game, um, that yeah I'm, I'm super excited to play that soon when that comes up and i'm hoping that kind of scratches a similar itch and also maybe we'll you know bring up a little bit of talk about reseteer like the you know the the cult following around that game might kind of pull their stick their heads out again and let everyone know about this other great game um uh, mm. That, that you could go Josh, play. how how do you spell that? Because I was trying to look it up and I it, couldn't. Yeah, that's this is a tough one because it's again, they, you know. Anyway, R E C E T T E A R. Yeah, see, I was trying like you know like yeah. a russet potato. Yeah, uh, that's how I was spelling it, and I was yeah, like, there's there uh, yeah that it's not a fully agreed upon pronunciation as well as far as that goes again because this is you know small developer and you know. 
just a cult following. It's not like there's been a ton of people talking about it, so you probably mm. you you may hear it pronounced differently elsewhere yes. if 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 so, it comes up, which mm. again it won't come up, like <laughs> unless you find the one other person. It's an adorable art style. God damn, it's really charming, and it is such a fun just sim game. Um, just just the concept of it is great, and I I. It's a shame that not more people have heard about that game. Josh, it looks like it was a, like in Japan. In the US, it was released in 2010, but in Japan, it was released in 2007. Was they it have a physical? Okay. If they have, well, yeah, not, not that that's a big deal at all. Yeah, yeah. Have, I, know, I know it didn't release here until a long time after that because it wasn't until the 10s that I that came here that I heard about it. So, yeah, I was going to say if they have it on other systems, I could probably try and find you a Japanese copy of that, but it's Microsoft Windows only. Yeah, yeah. Just as just as a reminder, if okay. you're interested in this game, it's on Steam. So R E C E T T E A R colon an item shops tail. Oh, yeah. if you want to check that out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I should get that in there. Get that. Even though um, I'm not getting paid for it. Yep. <laughs> um, but no, I like I always like getting eyes on games that yeah. I think have been overlooked and stuff though. Yeah. Uh, one more. You got one more for us in the tank? Yes. Uh, kind of going back to I that one that seemed like it was getting a lot of traction, but then not a lot of people talked about it after the fact. Even though mm. I think, again, from the developer space, you see influences of this all over the place because the art style was so striking. Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery EP. Ah, uh, yes. Was one of the early... Well, not super early, because this is not like, you know, in, in the... Oh, it's finally catching back on with the summer, summer of Xbox Arcade stuff. Um, mm. But it was, it was early indie games that were really focusing on... How, how can we tell a story through mechanics? How can we really focus on what makes the medium great? Um, and they did some really cool things with like the archetypical, archetypal, like Zelda esque story. They're like, okay, what 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 sort of thing can we tell with this framework? Um, and then on top of that, using in in order to make you think more, we're going back to a super low pixel count art style. Um with characters that are like like Atari game level numbers of pixels, but obviously with way, way more colors that you can use um, because those games could only display... Oh, goodness. I think it depends on which Atari you're talking about, but the early Ataris could only... It was like four colors for some of them. Anyway. Um, okay. So really, really low pixel count but with the high color and the particle effects and everything else to make it look shiny within that style of an art style. Um, that's just extremely striking. And we've seen a lot of other games kind of lean into that. Like what, what can we get across with as few pixels as possible? And this was kind of the start of that, movement in gaming of, right. of of the really low pixel 
art style, um, mm. which is I, I think is just amazing when it's done well. Um, it, it is a hard thing to pull off in order to get across character on, you know, someone you're looking at that has all of 16 pixels on them. <laughs> like, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's impressive when you can do it well. Uh, and, right. and Sword and, or in Super Brothers, Sword and Sorcery EP did that extremely well. Um, as you can kind of tell with the EP in the title, it's, you know, the focus on a lot of it was the music. Um, it's, it's really good. It is really, um, atmospheric, Mm. um, in a, uh, in a way to really get across the sort of, um, just this broad strokes feeling of a story um, right. in order for you to kind of project onto um, mm. it's, it's an excellent game that came out and I, I heard a lot of people talking about it. Not a lot of people, but a lot of like journalists and developers were like, Oh, this is so cool. I, I can't believe that something like this is being made right now. And then it kind of feels like not a lot of people actually played it after that which is kind of the way a lot of this goes where something will catch on with with you know like one part of the crowd and then just just not really continue through the rest of gaming as a whole um right beyond that it is like i i want to stress this because i've never played the game and it's a game that has been on my list of ones that i want to get around to Josh cannot undersell that. Like, if you're into pixel graphics, cannot it is undersell. Gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous. It is. Um, just looking at the stills of that game makes me want to drop what I'm doing and play it. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, drop the other games I'm currently playing and play it. Yeah. Not yeah. Read the podcast. Well, I mean, you um, can Josh, do sorry, that I'm too. gonna go play that game. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we've got about three extra seconds of comedy this week, but. <laughs> If you're fine forfeiting uh, those three seconds to me, you can you can go play if you'd like it. <coughs> I should, I should, but no, it's it's a, it's a game that looks amazingly gorgeous, and I think that maybe it's a product, or it's a uh, not a product. It's it's a casualty to its own influence, if that makes sense. Because like you're saying, yeah. it came out and it kind of was one of the few games that started or um caught on early to the pixelization style game that ha- has seen a resurgence in these past x amount of years that if it had released now it probably would be more popular that's that's the kind of crazy thing maybe i i kind of feel like a lot of the vagueness of their storytelling style in in order to give it space for you to you know interpret it how you want mm. um these, these it's it's the same devs who made and let me look this up before i completely am wrong about it i am 99% sure and i'm about to make 100% sure that is the same devs who made jet the far shore 
that Rich and I both talked about oh, from yeah, last you year. Guys are both talking about, um, which is another very positive. open sort of feeling story. Yes. Yeah. That. No. Um. So Capybara Games, Capybara Games was the ones who worked on um, Super Brothers. It looks like they didn't work on that, but they did work on Grindstone. Which is a game that you enjoyed? That has, no, they made it. Um, oh, they did. Capybara. Jet the Far Shore was uh, Super Brothers and Pine Scented Software. They worked on it together. Oh uh, yeah, so Cap- Capybara was another game attached to that Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery EP. Sorry, that's the ah. developer I was looking at. They yes, were not yeah, they've, they've worked the... with other devs. I think on both projects, but yeah, the Super Brothers kind of did a lot of the. Uh, like the, the, the story and art design yes. stuff. I, I, I think they've been more of an ideas type outfit that have then right. had some of the dev dev work done by others. Right, exactly. Yeah, but I, I think it's kind of funny. Capybara is the one who worked on Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I was saying, they worked on Grindstone, which is the mobile, yes. an, initially a mobile game that Josh really liked that has such an amazing to like volume so one and volume two soundtrack oh yeah i was actually yesterday a really quick funny story if you don't mind go ahead right now i'm practicing for the culture festival at the high school it's the first year that i've been it's about at time I'm teaching. it's about time you decided to get some culture i <laughs> i somehow knew when you said it's about time i was like oh <laughs> here it comes <laughs> no you're absolutely right um the, the white man that I am with no culture, but mm-hmm. um, I went into the studio to practice the songs that we're going to be playing. And I was like, I need something to warm up with. And so I went into my, my, I have a basketball playlist. Cause sometimes when I'm playing at, at the club that I play at, we rotate our music out. Like each person chooses music. And so I have a basketball playlist and I have, um, what song? So I have one of the songs from the grindstone soundtrack on my basketball playlist and so i just looked for that and i was like i'm gonna play that song as kind of like my warm-up snorbit um i I put that song on which is on the volume two soundtrack and i was just kind of just messing around um kind of warming myself up trying different little uh techniques to just get my hands and feet warmed up um but yeah, I was actually drumming to that so- uh, a song from that soundtrack. There you go. Yesterday, it's got it's got some amazing beats on that soundtrack. So yes. so good. I'm yes, so glad that that does. finally has an actual release instead of having to pay for Apple Arcade constantly for it since it's on yeah. Switch finally. Um, yeah, fuck. So good. Fucking go play Grindstone, guys. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I think that's I think that's good for the list. I mean, there there are so many games that we get to talk yeah. about. There are other games that I wanted to talk about, but I thought objectively, let's do the ones that impacted me the most that I think, like I can make the best case for. But yeah, yeah I think like Josh, like you're saying, there's so many. Yeah, there there really are. Um, and a lot of like. You might hear this and think, "Oh, I've heard so mu- so much about that," but a lot of times it's because it's it's really they they catch on with their particular audience, and then that's kind of unfortunately as far as it goes. A lot of the times with any game, I mean, unfortunately, maybe not unfortunately, like a lot of these games aren't going to be mass market 
successes. It's just, uh, it's not something that everyone's looking for. But because of that, a lot of times it's hard for people to find them after the fact. And I think that's, that's the hard thing. Because there, there's, there's still people coming in to gaming that would be totally into some of the, mm. you know, cult classics from forever ago that no one's going to tell them about. They're not going to hear it about, you know, whatever random weird game that never caught on uh, yep. outside of a tiny community. Yeah, it, it, it's good to get those names back out there. Hopefully someone new can find something that sounds like it's completely up their alley. Right. And the 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 true glory and joy of this is that you as the listeners don't, because we cut it off at the 2010s, you guys don't have to listen to us talk about Ickenfell again. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Exactly. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. A game that almost broke this podcast apart. Oh, dear Lord, yeah. Well, sort of. <laughs> sort, yeah. of t- sort of two games at the same time there. <laughs> <laughs> it can fell in the game that shall not be named. The game has a baseball bat. That's the only hint you need. But um, a glorious baseball bat at that. Yeah. But and let's go. <laughs> oh, sorry, golf club. Sorry. <laughs> Did I say baseball? It has a baseball bat, I always bat make too. that joke, and I fucked it up. It has a baseball bat, too, but the baseball bat is... is Not nearly as memorable. Yeah. It's not as iconic. Yeah. I'll say that. Yep, 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 yep. And on that, we're going to go on our break really quickly. (laughs) We'll be right back after these fine messages, if I do say so myself. So stick around. We'll be right back. This Sunday, Sunday at the Four Seasons Total Landscaping Arena. Sunday, Monster Truck Rally. That's right. There are going to be lots of bitches, lots of big tough guys. Sunday, yours truly down there at the Monster Truck Rally. And we're going to be wearing Chop Gear. Store.swordshop.com. Store. You can buy lots of nice gear and t-shirts so when you fuck your bitch in the bleachers, you have something to look at. Raw dogging it. Oh, baby. No condoms, because we don't sell those yet. That's right, and if you look up at your sore chomp clock, you'll know how fast you came inside of her. <laughs> C-U-M. That's right. Here, let me tell you about my friend Dale. He's going to tell you more about the store.swordchomp.com. Dale, take it over. I tell you, I went on over to story.swordchomp.com, got myself a t-shirt, got myself a hat, got myself something for my dog. It's a good deal. That's right, Dale. That's right. So if you're interested in repping your favorite podcast while watching a bunch of trucks slamming into each other, head over to store.swordchomp.com. Store.swordchomp.com this Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. I like titties. It's a wee. We're back. I was going to try. It's a, I didn't know what our name would be if it's, it's a wee instead of it's a, it's a me. But you know what? Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Jay? Yeah. Shosh? I like Shosh, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think that works better. It's more, it's more obviously 
a compound instead of yes. just J, which is, yeah. Joey doesn't work either because it yeah. sounds like we're doing a bad mm-hmm. Australian accent. It's a Joey. But no, Shosh. I like Shosh. Yeah. Yeah. We are Shosh this week. Shosh. And we are, we are going to talk about <laughs> the games that we've played. Uh, starting off with Overwatch 2, I'm curious as to how much you actually were able to play this game. Um, a couple hours. A couple hours. Um, okay, you managed to get in. Yes. I, the first day was a train wreck. Like I, meant, I, can't, I can't remember if this is on the show or not. I know we talked about it beforehand. I think I talked about it in the intro briefly, but trying to remember who I've talked to about what is always quite a task as I get older. Um, anyway, yes, the, the first day of Overwatch 2, as with every Blizzard game, is kind of a train wreck for we didn't spool up enough servers reasons for we didn't account for this one unforeseen thing, and then also for Blizzard games are always DDoSed on launch day because hackers have a huge target there and they just can't pass it up. Um, just constantly. Like, almost every launch day there are DDoS attacks against, like, a Blizzard launch. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, mostly a train wreck day one. Most of that is sorted at this point. There are still queues to get in, which means they didn't spool up enough servers ish like these games always drop off right after launch like there's always a huge spike right up front that then drops off that's just that's kind of how every game launches yeah you 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 hope to bring new people in especially with like a free-to-play model so they should have spooled up more servers period i think um to be in this state if that was their hope unless they're just i mean obviously they're a business, and they've been run way more like a business since Activision merged with them. Um, right. But anyway, upon actually getting into the game, I've talked with Ray about this. A lot of people have been complaining about this game forever at this point. Some legitimately, some not. A lot of it makes sense because Blizzard, Activision Blizzard has been through a lot of controversy late through justified because of how they treated their employees um some some insider knowledge here following a lot of the people who are involved with the um attempts to unionize blizzard currently and some of the devs in the overwatch team it seems like that has been fairly well run compared to a lot of other development teams in the company just hmm. kind of going off of what you know the people who are still working there are saying that's not a reason to say you should support them because your money is still going to Activision Blizzard at this point so right. I, that's not an excuse but you know i i i'm curious to see where that goes because they've gotten in a lot of trouble for union busting in other aspects of their company especially in regards to their testing farms that they have treated very poorly and done everything they can to stop them from unionizing. Um, Mm. 
yeah, there's there's a ton here to say I will never give them my money. Um, that said, a lot of people have kind of taken that as a using as a you know excuse to uh, uh, sour grapes. I I I'm not I'm not going to support this, so it must all be terrible, which I don't like as a mindset as far as that goes because that's kind of just saying that the people who are still working there and are attempting to make the culture better while still working there and they need a job they are you know that's kind of saying they're also doing bad work and I don't think that's the greatest thing to do you can say it's great and also for the love of god don't give blizzard money until they fix this shit and I think that's a more constructive way to go about that. Whether or not this is better, well, I'll, I'll get to that. But I, I think it's easier for a lot of people. You, you saw this with Chick-fil-A whenever it came out that they supported just completely dog shit people with, you know, the money that you gave them. Um, where everyone was like, oh, why? Who, who even cares? They make a terrible sandwich. No. They don't. They make a pretty solid sandwich as far as the fast food market is concerned. But also, still don't give them your money. Um, yeah, but, it's it's like it's like obviously we talked about this at length um, yeah. in a pre previous episode. If you want to go back and dig through our archives, we talked about like we devoted an entire episode to talking about. The yes. whole situation with Activision and Blizzard, and um, for the sake of not retreading, um, this is it's more hard not like, to, but yeah, it it is hard not to. And the thing I will say is that for me, there's a point, and not too distant in the past point, where I was like, if something's bad, stinks about this company, I don't fucking support it. Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to realize that the more we do that because it kind of falls in line with certain aspects of quote unquote cancel culture where it's like if somebody makes a mistake and you don't give them a chance to rectify that mistake then mm -hmm. what's the point of even identifying those mistakes what's the point of even trying to rectify your mistakes if you're not going to be given that chance yeah there are certain situations where I think it calls to have that kind of attitude. And I'm not saying like I'm a, a corporation sympathizer at all. Um, I still yeah. hate corporations as much as I did five, 10 years ago. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's hard. We, it's, it's a weird thing because we rely on corporations. Um, I can still hate them while still relying on them. And, yeah. it, it, and I understand how much of an idiot that makes me sound. And I, I've, I've, no, no, it's, I can it's, it's impossible it. to do anything without, I mean, not impossible, like you can get around it, but for us to have any voice as far as that's concerned, you, mm. you can't ignore all of them. Like it's, right, it's, it's exactly. impossible. Um, our podcast, no one would listen to it. <laughs> well, it's not even that no one would listen to it. It'd be next to impossible to get it out on anything like, oh, True. well, we, we can't support Spotify because they you know, give money to horrible people on their platform. Mm. We can't do Apple because, I mean, frankly, Apple is extremely consumer unfriendly, but as far as the, who they give their money to, they're generally fairly good about that. 
uh, right. as, as well as also not working with cops very much compared to everyone else. So that's, that's, that's a plus, but also I wouldn't trust them farther than I could throw them. Um, or yeah, yeah, exactly. The, th- yeah. the thing is like each situation is nuanced. Yes. Um, that being said, the Blizzard Activision thing, I still don't think that they've made up for everything that they've done, and they're continuing to do really shady shit right now. So yes, for me with, the, with the union busting stuff, they've continued yes. on that exact same course. They're still doing the same stuff. Exactly. Um, so for so for me, like I I have no interest in playing this game. Um, yeah. It all like a small part of me, and this is like not directed at you josh a small part of me always like a very small part of me always cringes when i see people on social media talking about diablo 3 or the diablo remaster or overwatch or you know any of the other games that blizzard and activision is doing yeah. because of everything that they've done and are continuing to do but also um after i get over that very initial brief reaction i'm also like Everybody has their own moral centers, and um, well, that and a lot of people don't know about this stuff still, because it's just if you're not man, in the if, loop, if, you're if not. If you don't know about this shit, you're fucking. Your head is in the sand. You know what I mean? But you're no. not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. I'm just. I mean, the, yeah, yeah. The 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 suits involving them made national news outside of gaming. So you'd you'd have to go out of your way. But yes, it's there are way more uninformed gamers than we give it credit for, considering we are you know, overly informed as far as an average gamer is concerned. Hmm. That is fair. That is fair, yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I understand people wanting to play this game. It's free to play. Um, quote-unquote, you know, microtransactions yeah. and game, or battle passes and all that stuff. I mean, it is free to play. Yes. Um, but it's also very hard to get into the game. And from what I was just seeing in an article that it's already being attacked, like the server stuff. Is yeah. No, well, that's attacked. what I was talking about. The, they're, they're always DDoSed right off the yes. bat. Yeah. Just because it's, it's an extremely difficult time for your, your internet security team when you're launching a game. Cause you've got a million things, a million new connections coming into your mm-hmm. servers that you are, You've got to let them in because that's the whole point. Like, you've got a game to launch here. You can't just be overly secure about it. But you mm. still have to make sure that you're not just getting, you know, massive security breaches out of it. And it's right. just that that's why you end up with hackers attacking at those times. It's just it's an extremely good time to attack. They do this every time, and it's a massive pain in the ass for anyone else. It happens to Blizzard about the worst, mostly because they were the biggest MMO on the market for the longest time with World of Warcraft, um, mm. and it's you know it's old hat at this point. <laughs> well, we're, right, Blizzard's releasing a new thing. We've got to attack them. Um, it makes me wonder though. Like, obviously, there's only so much you can do to assuage some of that, but yeah, you'd think after how long they've been doing this that they would have gotten better at it per se and i'm sure they have gotten better at it but like you have the hackers and stuff like that so yeah yeah there's a lot of that it's it is it's a tough nut to crack because kind of like i was saying a a lot it's a tough nut to bust yeah well i mean 
they they obviously have some tools because I I was noticing on launch day streamers were getting in right away. So they obviously whitelisted some connections right in order to make sure that, you know, people were getting in who were able to promote the game at that point. I think they mm. should have done that for way more connections of people who were already playing Overwatch 1, frankly. There should have been more whitelists in order to get people through whatever securities, you know, they were enforcing in order to try to stop those DDoS attacks because I think that would have kind of smoothed over the experience a lot. Mm. Obviously, it's not going to help anyone who's just coming to check out now if it's, you know, because it's free to play. And, well, right. I'm curious to see what, what it looks like. Um, but yeah, I think they could have handled it better, but it that's that's I don't really want to hold that against them either because that's not a Blizzard as a corporation thing so much as it is this is an extremely hard problem for Blizzard IT to handle. Like this is that that is this is this is one of the toughest IT nuts to crack right there. So, I I I I feel really bad for them specifically. Like that is that is not a position I would want anyone to be in is blizzard it on a launch day um no seems miserable yeah that yes absolutely um yeah um anyway upon getting into the game actually which was late that night finally <laughs> um uh i my my big curiosities coming into this were they're moving to a battle pass that you know framework instead of a full price game model mm. which frankly makes way more sense for a, a a shooter like that that's why literally everyone else in the space has moved to that model um if you want to have content updates regularly you need something for people to pay for regularly instead of a single fee that someone paid six years ago now it was 2016 overwatch one came out um yes that's you know a 40 dollars game in 2016 is not enough of a payment for them to have created content in that entire intervening time um that said my big concerns were them putting heroes on the battle pass because this game has uh. always been about hero switching and about your you know your team comps in something like and, and in Apex and Valorant, oh, you've, you've got to pay for heroes. Um, that said, heroes are way more similar because you can swap your weapons. The weapons are the much more important thing, and as a usual matter, of course, those are not paywalled in those right. games because that is right. the big difference from one weapon to another loadout-wise. Very true. Um, but because of the way heroes are built in Overwatch, that's kind of like putting the new best weapon in something like Apex on the battle pass. And that seems like a bad choice to me right off the bat, uh, just fundamentally. And so I was kind of curious to see what sort of feeling the progression had to it to know if this is going to be a massive problem where you are going to feel completely railroaded into paying them money otherwise you're just never going to get those heroes um what sucks man yeah i think it does fundamentally i i don't think the heroes should be there and just i think from a just 
given the framework of the game, I still don't think it should be there. Um, that said, the amount of gameplay time you need to get this hero is not massive um, from my time with it so far. The hero is on level 55, which is way deep into the thing. It's something you're not going to get unless you're playing consistently-ish, although it looks like they're going with the two-month season, at least for this first one. So you've got about two months to get that. Um, mm. I've gotten about three levels a day, only playing for, for launch day and then the next day that I was able to play, given all of that. Um, okay. But that, that's good enough. That's, that's, that's moving along. Uh, and that's they, they've got an interesting system here where they do daily quests essentially, but mm. um, this is actually a system I've not seen before. I'm sure someone else has done it, but it's a it's a really cool system where you have you get experience for your first three daily quests, but you've got a list of like ten of them, so okay. you can do if you really go out of your way, you could probably do all three in one game. It, that would probably be a massive pain. It's more likely you're going to do those three quests in two or three games. So mm. half hour-ish to knock out all three quests. It's not a huge time investment. Um, not at all. For that, which I think is good. And then they also have weekly quests and then like, uh, I think per battle pass quests and then mm. also hero things that eventually those will run out as you complete all those. But like, kind of gives you. A, they have a boost. level quests. Well, okay. no, no. Like, yeah, the the have... the big thing with that is I like the flexibility in the dailies. You don't feel like, oh, I've got to do absolutely all this stuff. Like they're they're spread out in a way that will reward you for playing the way you want to, which mm. which I like. Um, the weekly quests do a similar thing, where the first three you do, you get a much bigger experience boost. Uh, but then. On top of that, you also get minor experience boosts just for doing those quests as well. So yeah. you'll get something extra for doing them, whether or not you've done three or not, um, which well, is I, good. I, like, I, I, I think that is good. I think I think they Blizzard has always been interesting because they get a lot of crap for doing something that everyone else is doing at the same time because they're kind of the biggest target out there, even if they're doing mm. it better than everyone else. With, in like Overwatch One's case, their their loot boxes had duplicate protection not long after the game was released, um, mm. which was good. Stopped you from getting duplicates of skins, and everything, uh, right. which meant it was much easier to get a full collection without paying money. Um, not to say that takes them off, lets them off the hook for everything else, because still, given the compulsive nature of that, people were gonna buy them. Um, this is a similar thing where I really think so far their battle pass is structured in a way that is way more user-friendly than a lot of battle passes I've seen on games so far. Um, I mean, especially compared to something like Halo Infinite that came out last year. Jesus Christ, the grind on that first battle pass for that game was just a, a nightmare. Um, yep. Like... <sighs> I th I think they are fairly user friendly as far as that goes, but yeah. After seeing what they've done with their monetization for Diablo Infinite, I don't trust them with this sort of framework. Past what I can actually see they're doing, um, mm. 
and um yeah yeah like a lot of the stuff they're doing here is the same stuff that's done everywhere else but it's predatory there it's predatory here like they've changed their like cosmetic purchasing system from a i can buy whatever whenever i want to a rotating storefront model that everyone else has oh man i really like this skin if i don't buy it now who knows when it'll come back around i don't have enough coins maybe i should put money down that's bullshit i it's it's been bullshit in every other game it's been in it's bullshit here that they've adopted that uh that that only serves to sucker people who have compulsion issues into buying something right now with money um there there's that should not have been here rotating storefronts need to go that's that's period we can't have those in games like that i think that is as big of a problem as loot boxes ever were as far as preying specifically on compulsions um like that 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 has to go um just to protect people who like th- there are ways to make money out of this and i'm fine with it um i think a battle pass is a good thing as far as getting some people to pay for your game consistently over time i like that change i don't like some of the some of the ways they've implemented it so far um Frankly, like I said, the hero is way far, way farther into this than it should be. If they want to do heroes on the battle pass, it needs to be like half of where they put it. Like it should be like level 25 or something, something where it is. If you're playing casually, you'll get there within two months, period. And frankly, I think if you're playing casually, you could theoretically still get to that level 55 feeling Mm. it like that feels reasonable. Right. But also, if you have anything come up, oh man, I couldn't play for this week. I'm going to have to throw down some money to, to, to pay for a couple more levels in this battle pass in order to make sure I get there. Mm. I don't like that. I don't like preying on people who had a, an ex- unexpected life event come up. I, I, right. I, I do not think that is an acceptable monetization strategy. Yeah. I, 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 I just, morally, I don't like that. Um, Yeah, it's so it's, a lot of those were my kind of bigger concerns moving into this. As as far as mm. a lot of the other fundamental changes they made with 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 moving to this newer model, they they moved to a five v five instead of six v six. It's a whole lot more easily readable than it used to be. It it feels like in terms you have of strategy more, and whatnot. In, as far as more, as far as strategy, as far as what's on your screen at any given time, it's way more readable. It feels like you have more impact in the fight, regardless of your role. I think it was a good change. I was a little skeptical about that because you uh, yeah, kind of lose remember, the tank duo we talking about that. feeling. So far, so far it's played out pretty well. Um, I think their new maps, they, they've, they've added a like payload style thing. Like I talked about this with Splatoon 3 last week with a, they're, they're push maps. You've got to push something into the enemies. Spot, oh, okay. Basically. Gotcha. That's a really cool map type. I thought it was good with TF2. It's, it's been, it's excellent, excellent in Splatoon. They've got a pretty good implementation of it here in uh, in Overwatch 2. I think it's much better than their point capture maps, which they have replaced with a push model okay. game mode. 
Um, I think that's a good change. Um, they've reworked some of the heroes in order to fit into different roles, especially with especially the tanks, because those had to be changed in order to work with one tank per team instead of two. Because that's hmm. that's that is the role that got cut from a six, which was two two two, um, model, down to a five v five. So it's two tanks, or it was two tanks, two DPS, two heals, and now it's uh, one tank, two DPS, two heals. Um, so far, it seems what like is most DPS again. I can't remember. Uh, damage per second is that's what that right, stands right, for. Right. But it's just just your your damage characters. Um, like like Zenyatta would be a DPS, right? Uh, Zen's a healer, but he's kind of a weird healer because he doesn't deal a ton of healing and is mm. way more threatening with the damage he throws out compared to some of the others. So he's, he's a healer, but also, you know, they all kind of have their own niche. Um, okay. Gotcha. Which is, anyway. Um, this is how long ago. Oh, I know. It's played. been ages. Um, so I've, I've tried playing around with a lot of them. They feel really different. In some cases, I've... I think some of the changes are just because I've I've not played Overwatch in several months at this point, and some of them I tried looking up like changes that they made for each hero coming into this, so I wouldn't be completely lost. Right, and I think they changed the firing rate of Roadhog because I was playing him and I kept on trying to fire, and mm. I just couldn't fire quite yet, and I'd end up missing uh... because I thought he was going to fire like a tenth of a second before I actually was able to. And right. either that's they changed the firing cadence or that was just server lag because it was day one. <laughs> and I don't know which that, yet. So yeah, I, that's, I need to, that's I need really to try possible. Roadhog out again because I was fucking whiffing everything my first couple times playing him. And I don't know if it's because they changed something or if it was because the game was just lagging that first right, day. Right, I, right, right. My guess is they changed something because I wasn't having that issue with anybody else. So. And it could be like knowing because I, I used to be more into Apex a few years ago. Yeah. Reading all those changes can be really overwhelming. And There's the fact so much information a, to keep up oh, on if yes, you want to play competitively. Yes, and it's a brand new game. It's a, it, yep. coming from an established game, so there's a ton of information. So it's like, yes. for you, you're, it's going to take you probably a few months if you're going to stick with playing with this game to get everything down pat. Yeah, I think a lot of that depends on if any of my friends come back who were playing it with me, because like, I like the game competitively. But also, I mostly play to play with friends, right? Um, so that's gonna be that. That's gonna be the biggest thing why I'd stick around or not. Um, again, I I am. They've said they're 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 really gonna look at the battle pass for the next one that they do because they wanted to see how this first one plays out because they've not done a battle pass before, and coming from the executives, I wouldn't trust that for shit. But again, this is one of the teams that seems like they have been pretty on the up and up as far as actually communicating with people about what's going on with them within Blizzard. Uh, like the, the, the dev team on that have been... Ah, uh, okay, this department has this been... De- this department, like this particular team, have been pretty, pretty open with that. on the up and up. Yeah. Um, so I, I think if this first season goes horribly... Like, as, as far as just the outcry of having a hero locked that far down the battle pass, I, mm. I, I, I hope they'll reevaluate that. Frankly, I don't think the, the hero should be there, period. That just, that's my personal opinion, but also, I, I can see how it would work if it was earlier on the battle pass. They, they, they did a neat thing where 
they, they do this always with a new hero, so you don't end up with someone trying to learn a new hero in your competitive game and then throwing your match because they don't know how they work. Where, like, the first week uh, any new hero comes out, they're just locked out of competitive, which, mm. A, stops the throwing situation. It's not even throwing, but just someone who doesn't know what the fuck they're doing from playing this new hero. Um, but also, that gives you a buffer time to unlock that hero on the battle pass. Um, right. However, 55 is not some shit you can do in a week um, without buying it. And I really feel like if you want to get the benefits of not having literally everyone lock your new hero in every new game and then two people quit because they wanted to play that particular hero and couldn't get them, which has been a problem in the past with new heroes coming out, I, I do think it's kind of neat having it be a staggered release-ish because people are going to unlock it at different periods in time. Put them way lower, like 25-ish. Much, much lower. Something that you can get in, you know, two weeks. Playing casually mm, in, in a week right. if you decide to grind it out. Um, well, it's just not a bad thing. I mean, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't get why people... Other than... Other than, like, pride, I don't see why people want to rush to get to, like, the highest level yeah. so quickly. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't mind the cosmetic stuff taking a while to grind out, but I do think just for the competitive integrity of the, of the game, it should be mm. something that reasonably anyone even playing casually can get. The new heroes. Because um, yeah. this, is, this is not something like League of Legends where there are eight heroes who are nearly identical mm. where you know they perform exactly the same role in nearly the same way um right like this this is not that like the heroes are all fairly different in this game and i just i i i'm still not a big fan of it period but i can see it being on the battle pass if you want to encourage people to stick around and play for longer as long as it's not that far down the battle pass um that that you know that is I like back when I was playing online shooters I wouldn't say competitively but more frequently and I was trying mm -hmm. to get actually get proficient at them one of the things that was kind of frustrating is if a game didn't have um I don't know what what the technology would technically be but they didn't have things in place to make sure that the high level players are put in with other high level players. So back then, oh, yeah, like yeah. I remember when I would play Modern Warfare Two, um, the original Modern Warfare Two, whatever the fuck it's yeah. called. Um, but that you would have like guys in there who are just starting out playing Call of Duty, yeah, and then you'd have guys who have prestiged five times. And that was always oh, yeah, really yeah. aggravating. And I'm sure games have gotten better They've, at pairing people That's up. actually something I wanted to talk about, because this is one of the major criticisms of Overwatch 2 I've seen so far, is okay. that they finally put in a new player experience in, this, in, the, in the game. And a lot okay. of people were complaining about it, because basically you slowly unlock each hero as you play. So you have time to learn each of them. It, it's, it, it's, it's not I say slowly, it's still only about two games per hero unlock, given the way that it works out um, to actually unlock them, which given the size of the cast and all that, 
takes about 100 games to unlock. Oh, that's so much. However, Overwatch 1 had an absolute dog shit tutorial system. Uh, and you ended up getting into a game having no idea what you're doing and just getting shit on until you finally got tired of it and made a custom game, which the custom games weren't even a thing until later on and, and went in and just learned a map. Um, well, I think you could play with AI fairly early on. But anyway, I think that's a good thing in order to give you time to learn each of the heroes. But I've heard some people talking about, oh, I've got to unlock I've, I've got to spend money to unlock all the heroes that are in overwatch one or play for hours and hours but that's also not the case because whenever you're playing with someone else who has played longer mm. you get access to everything right because the the thought process is oh they'll teach you how to play they'll they'll tell you where stuff is on the map and tell you how each hero works instead of you having to figure it out on your own and I think it's a pretty solid way of easing you into it. And then on top of that, while you're unlocking stuff, you're locked in a pool with other people who are also unlocking stuff. So you're only ever playing, you know, like newbies against newbies with this new system, which I think is really cool to have a yeah. system in there to not let you just get completely shit on by somebody who's played the game for, you know, 10,000 hours at this point. Yeah, there's something, like, with any kind of new squi- squill, squill, uh, skill that you're trying to acquire, not just in gaming, in life, it's good that when you're starting out, that you have someone there to kind of guide you, but also yeah. that you are playing against, when you are first starting out, against people of a same skill caliber, because you're learning the basics, yes. the fundamentals, and then as you start to get those, it's important that you start you know, like if it's a competition based type of skill that you're trying to acquire, that you are, uh, you are paired with people that are objectively a little bit stronger than you. Yes. Maybe one yes. or two people in there are absurdly stronger than you at whatever skill because it makes you better and you learn and you, you learn through absorption, absorption, through imitation, all sorts of mm-hmm. things. Um, you know, like there are technical terms for all that that, I don't know the technical terms for any of that shit. Um, I just, I just know yeah. through you know like playing playing sports, um, my whole life and playing video games my whole life and being a teacher that there are many ways to learn, but the essence yeah. is that. And so when you're talking about that, it, it sounds like it's a no brainer for me that a company would do that. It would be in the best interest to make the 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 players yes play against similar skilled players because the thing is that's going to increase your retention rate yeah I mean, of and players frankly, playing the they, game yeah they've always had matchmaking in place to in order you know to try to get that to happen already but this right. basically locks into a completely separate pool completely new players um hmm. which i i think is mostly good as far as that goes and again you can kind of opt out of it by playing with someone else who's already into the game if you want to have access to everything and and right. again that's not on you so yeah i've that's it's not a that's not 100% fix but also i think it's close to 100% fix because oh i'm the sort of person who wants to be in at the deep end i i maybe the rest of your team doesn't want to deal with you being in at the deep end and yeah, I I think it's a fairly good solution as far as that goes. 
Um, infinitely better than the 15-minute tutorial that told you how to use your two abilities in the game in Overwatch 1. Anyway, mm. so... I'm... Yeah, I'm glad that's there. I think long-term, the, the, they may change that again. Or, I mean, they wouldn't have to change it that much, but they might change the way you gain experience because Overwatch 2 is eventually supposed to have the, the PvE modes in there. Um, right, right. With, that's... like, progression and whatnot. None of that's in here so far. Be- Frankly, they were forced in this position because Overwatch 1 is dead and has been for about the last nine months. The, just, the player base has completely dropped off um, for a few reasons. A big part of it was a lot of the controversy. Frankly, the Overwatch community, and this is part of the reason I think the devs are, have been much more open on this team, has been one of the more inclusive spaces as far as the audience they're trying to, uh, to court. Um, mm. And because of that, a lot of this came out, a lot of people fucking left. Right. Uh, on top of that, they were focusing on Overwatch 2. So there's not been new content in Overwatch 1 in forever. Um, and I, I, I think they have kind of rushed into Overwatch 2 with just the PvP mode in order to have anything new for anyone to care about at all. I think had they waited until the whole thing was done, the audience may have just been completely gone at that point. This is probably right. the right call long-term for them to have any audience left. Um, but it, it, it's kind of led to a slightly rushed and, and rough start heading into this. Um, um, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen over the next month or so. Like as yes, they get attacked less as they get a better handle on their servers. Like, yeah. Yeah. Which players will stick around. How are mm-hmm. people going to feel about the content and the five on five and everything that's going on a month from now? And yeah. uh, if if Blizzard and Activision will manage to, Activision Blizzard rather, uh, yeah. will manage to take the popularity of Overwatch Two, and they're able to make people forget about all the nasty shit that they've been well, doing. It's, I don't even think it's a matter of forgetting about it because. They've they've got to change stuff, and frankly, I don't, I don't know if you've seen the last announcement. They've gotten rid of their CCO, um, their their corporate compliance officer, who is kind of where the buck should stop as far as a lot of the shit that went down here. Mm. Uh, frankly, should go all the way to the CEO. He should know about everything going on. Bobby Kotick still has to go. Period. But anyway, they got rid of the Bush. At, administration advisor who was their cco (laughs) who let all this slide however within all that bobby had to then come out and say oh i'll still probably ask her about stuff and i'm like of course you fucking will of course you fucking will bobby you piece of shit but anyway she's been let go so hopefully there's someone else brought in here who won't allow that sort of culture to continue Hopefully, like I don't. There's not been an announcement so far, it, as of recording this, to my knowledge, of who's mm. who's replacing her. Um, and also, just given the nature of this acquisition, Microsoft can't really announce anyone they're planning on firing because that's 
just not something they're allowed to do yet. And right. as far as I know, they've only been approved to let this purchase go through in Brazil so far. So they've got okay. several other countries that it's got to go through before this acquisition happens. Right. I'm I'm hoping some big changes are made once they get a hold of this. I don't know if they will or not. But yeah, there's there's a whole lot coming up in the next few months with the entire state of Overwatch 2 and of Activision Blizzard as a whole that'll really kind of determine what what sort of hope I have of you know good things coming out of there ever right. again. So Right. Yeah. I'm mainly curious to hear how you'll be feeling about this in the next few months. So I'll definitely be yeah, yeah, I'm I'm super curious to see what shakes up with this with the, you know, the purchase situation. Right. And then right. kind of especially like I've, I've said before, I not not that any corporations stateside are union friendly. Hopefully at least Microsoft won't actively break the law fucking constantly with their union busting the way Activision Blizzard has. Of course, whatever. They fucking hell. Probably won't happen. Given mm. fucking Bill Gates convincing everyone that no, we really need these vaccine patents. Because otherwise, how would we make money during a yeah. goddamn global pandemic? That fucking little shit stain. <laughs> <laughs> Where did this go, Josh? Sorry, I'm I'm sorry. He's he's one of those billionaires who likes to really pretend he's a philanthropist with the way he throws money around to different charities, but then also protects corporate interests at every turn as well. Mm. And it's it's important to remember that he has the money to easily throw around to try to get goodwill, but it's because he's also a little shit stain who makes the entire world worse in order to protect that wealth. Well, you know who doesn't make the world worse is Aloy. Uh, it, she's actually actively trying to do the opposite in Horizon Forbidden West. Um, how's that for a transition? I like uh, the, it. The whole, I like it. It's solid. The whole time you were talking, I was like, where's my transition point? Where's my transition? <laughs> <laughs> no. like, you, you hand it to you handed it to me at the very last second, so thank you. I appreciate it. I couldn't have done it without you. You're, um, you're welcome. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I didn't try at all. It just happened. It just happened, and I appreciate <laughs> the fact that it did just happen. But no, um... Anyways, so... I don't want to talk too much more about this game uh, today. I, I do want to say a few things, though. I put a considerable amount of time this week. I think I probably put about eight to 10 hours this week, which is more than I was expecting. And I have to admit this week, I've been looking forward to coming home, getting all my shit done and playing this game. Like I, okay. like I talked about where I hit this really cool point in the game where you do this underwater mission in the main story. Yeah. And now that I've hit that point, I'm like, wow, I'm actually starting to enjoy this game. Even though it took 40 hours to get oh, to that God. point. Yep. I'm finally fucking there where I'm enjoying the game. And that, that is true. Um, like the, I still think that there is too much shit in this game, objectively. Too many side missions, too much. Yeah, yeah. But I will say this, that because it is such a big, expansive game, that there are so many different environments to explore, 
and they're all equally gorgeous, um, which has never been an issue with the Horizon games. They're both oh, yeah. fucking gorgeous games. But um, I've gone to some different areas, and they are just vibrant and teeming with life. Um, you can always see the small wildlife that you can hunt in the game, and I'm sure that they owe Red Dead Redemption 2 um, a considerable amount of thanks for influencing how vibrant their world was. I that, mean, the first one was still out before that, and it was, that was a pretty fleshed out it was. environment. It was. Yeah. I will agree with you, but this one is like next level. Okay. And okay. I think. I think it's like everywhere you go in the world, you feel like there's either like small animal wildlife or there's a machine, and I think the scale of it is in large part due to Red Dead Redemption Two. Um, okay. As as. When you eventually get to the game, Josh, you'll, you'll kind of see what I'm talking about. There. Yeah, yeah, I, I need to put more time into it. It's just this this year has been a really packed full of games, and then B, I've just exhausting. I've, <laughs> I've it's been a hell of a year so far, man. I've been it's been it's been a lot. I've I've had a hard time just getting to all the games I want to, and and, no, and not just that. mostly crying. You know, I feel that. No, I feel that. <laughs> Um, honestly, I do. Yeah. But I, yeah, I'm at the point now where I'm actively enjoying the game. I still think some of the story stuff is a little bit tedious for me. Um, there's a lot more story than I'm wanting at certain parts, which isn't okay for me. It's a personal choice where it's like more stories or like the cutscenes are too long between gameplay chunks. The cutscenes are fine. Like they're not my favorite, but they're not bad. They're very well done, very well acted, very well uh, shot. Everything about it. Yeah, is yeah. Good. Um, w- what I would say is like all the supplementary additional information, where it's like, um, you're talking to important characters and you have the chance to ask them questions. Ah, uh, okay. This, oh, you yeah, know, yeah. World building yeah, stuff that yeah. I honestly, I don't think this world is strong enough to care about personally for me personally i don't think the world is strong enough to care about this much world building um that's Ish. just personal preference i the way the way you said this has kind of brought memories back from the first one where it kind mm. of felt like they didn't know if they wanted to be a ubisoft style game or like a fallout style game and you'd get into a main quest hub and like you know the main characters would have you know like five dialogue options and that that's too much that's too much for a ubisoft style game you want to get your quest information and move on um it is still doing that in this game okay all right so I, they're I doing a similar thing then it, it kind of sounded like that's what you were saying the the thing i realized one of the things i realized and it's something i shouldn't say realized that i was reminded of okay last uh last night while i was playing i was playing this mission where you go into this abandoned ruin and it's a fucking hilarious mission basically um without providing too many details to avoid some spoilers you encounter uh, a character earlier in the game and she says come see my tribe and we'll help you out with this thing that you got to do in the main story so you go do that and you meet the leader of her tribe which is uh is fucking comical because like the dude the leader is this white chauvinistic dude who is, uh, he's very like, yes, I'm the leader that will lead our world into a new era of P- 
piece and you know things like that and oh, yeah, his yeah. right hand man is a black guy yeah he, he and the reason why i say li- that living is in california but somehow from the aryan mountains yes exactly and it's like like it's not to be taken seriously it's like it's not like the developers are like yeah i'm trying to say anything like that but it's like the whole thing is for good reason like satire in a way yeah um but this guy um he starts really going off the off the deep end as um you're you're basically going into this abandoned temple area that was devoted to one of the the founders which is one of the people who started this whole project and everything and this guy is idolizing this ancient and when you're about to go into the uh. the temp the abandoned temple after you've finally like gone in and gotten access uh he puts on the the founder's clothing and he he forces Aloy to put on Elizabeth Sobek's clothing and i was like this is so fucking corny and i love it it was like it was so bad it was funny and it was clear that it was all tongue in cheek and whatnot um and the the way the way the whole mission ends is very satisfying i will say that okay i'll say that it's a very satisfying ending um they ha- the the writers handled it very well but the reason why i'm bringing this up is because there's a part in the mission it's near the very beginning of the mission where they're trying to get access to this temple but they can't and because Aloy ends up in this game getting a mask that allows her to breathe underwater. She's the only person who can do it. So she goes in and she's swimming underneath this temple and there's there's lava at the 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 floor bubbling and then you eventually come out and you're trying to like hit switches and do things to open the temple and it's abandoned and it's very dark in there and they have this eerie music playing. And at that moment I was thinking to myself how fucking cool would it be if in just this one part they had these like not micro but these small machines that were developed in this like not mutation but some kind of like faulty program error and it became more of like a horror style in that moment because yeah. they they had primed up that moment so well built it up so well that it would have lent itself to a quick amazing 30 minute horror section in the game but they didn't do it and to me that was such a good reminder that this game is about checking all of the right boxes for the lowest common denominator yeah and that's why that's why when you're talking about the whole mix uh combination between an ubisoft game and a fallout game that's exactly what it is they're trying to check both boxes because they're both popular yeah um and this is something that you know um we talked about all the way back in the day um some of our former co-hosts had also mentioned it as well that it it is a beautiful game but it also kind of feels soulless and lifeless at times because it's just trying to appeal to the widest mass and that is true of this game as well that's kind of sad because frankly the way the story was written it never felt like it wanted to be in an open world um and it sounds like they're kind of doing a lot of similar things here where they're, you know, write a story and then somehow try to make it fit in the gameplay that they have to make, mm-hmm. which, you know, 
leads to some pacing issues and, right. and among among other just kind of general structure problems, which for sure. Yeah. I mean, some people can correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I've been largely just adhering to the main missions at this point. Cause I want to mm-hmm. finish the game. Cause there are other things on my docket. Um, yeah. And I, so maybe there are some really cool side missions that I've missed. Certainly within the realm. Yeah. Of like there were some really good side missions in the first one as well, but it's like, you're not going to know until you get there sort of right. sort of things and yeah it's i it's a real crapshoot because most of them aren't um i wish this game would have taken more cues i know you're gonna scoff at this uh from something like breath of the wild where each like it is still a open world game and it feels like a complete world yeah. but they still have really cool things certain areas tucked away in that world that you never yeah. see anywhere else in the game I wish I would have done that a little bit more in this game, which they do, but at the most surface level. Oh, yeah, with like, oh, you've got a glider now, so you can climb wherever and fall from wherever. Like, oh, that's what you wanted from Breath of the Wild, and not you can explore anywhere and find something interesting. Yes, there, there are certain areas that you find something a little bit interesting, but nowhere near the scope or breadth of yeah. Breath of the Wild. But the other thing I wish, and this is just the first thing that came to mind, um, obviously there are other examples out there like Fallout, but one of the things that I think the strongest part about Cyberpunk 2077 is that it does have a, a lot of really cool side missions. Not the recurring missions, but a lot of yeah. really cool, impactful side missions. And I wish that games that are doing the open world thing start yeah. taking notice of that and doing I mean you have more. to like if you, you like and frankly no one does but you have to for it to be fucking worth it otherwise why are you wasting my time with this open world like that's yeah <sighs> honestly far too many ago. games are are just like you said they're checking the boxes instead of you know kind of leaning into the strengths of yeah why something is actually done and well, it's it's like I think back all the way to Mafia Three, a game that came out many years ago. At this point, five or six years ago, and the story was so cool and captivating and engaging in that game. But the redundant gameplay, um, it wasn't yeah. entirely open world. It was in parts open world, um, but the the redundancy of what you were doing mission wise. And yeah. any kind of side content was exactly the same as the main stuff that I fell off the game and I never finished the story. And the thing here is that I get when you appeal to the least common denominator, you're going to get the widest range of people, but it's also going to have <clears throat> less cultural relevance than something that, you know, yeah. it's, it's clear that. Yes, we're trying to appeal to a lot of yeah, people, but yeah. also here are these cool moments in the game. So, sort of. I still think, frankly, the team working on this, like you can tell their strength really is in the world building, the character design, the... Christ, the, the enemies in this game are still some of the just coolest fucking designs in gaming. And um, it's next level in this game, I'm going to yeah. tell you that. The, yeah. They have a lot of new creative creatures that like there's there's a few in there because i didn't read about them all that i was like oh shit 
is that a fucking giant mechanical something something? I'm not gonna spoil yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, whoa, that's a, such a fucking cool design. Oh, I know. And then I get my just, shit rocked by it. <laughs> it's just outstanding. Like I love all the work they're doing with that sort of thing. But then also, oh hey, it's an open world game. I'm like, oh, um, like f- frankly. I think given a lot of the focus they're working on, they would have been better off with something closer to like a monster hunter, even with like leaning into how cool the combat is against these enemies. And they do a good job. The combat's been good in these games, but like really, really fucking lean into it and, and not worry so much about the open world stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 It's, it's something that I don't know if it like, because I will tell you this, I know the ending of the game at this point and, it's primed up for a third one. It's going to be interesting to see if they can correct some, not correct, but they can maximize their potential on some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. I will say though, that this, that's some of the things I did want to say. I've gotten to a lot more of the creature designs in the game this week. There's some really cool creatures in the game. Yeah. Really cool creatures. And, uh, there's some really epic boss fights in there. Um, the last thing I want to say is that, there are certain parts of the main story that are still like dragging for me, but then there, there have been some significantly better parts. Um, there's a really, and this isn't going to mean anything to anybody who hasn't played this game. Um, you're about, you're, there's a point where you're about to do like a really important part of um, the main mission where you are going to deal with Gemini and you're talking with a character named Beta. Um, and there's this moment where Aloy references Ro- Rost, uh, which is uh, the guy who took care of her in the very beginning of the first game. And there's a very touching moment um, mm. in reference to him that I was like, fuck, this is actually really fucking good, like compared to yeah. the rest of the material in the game. And it's to me, I wish some of that stuff would have been a little bit more front loaded because um, the game took such a long time to get its feet off the ground. But now that its feet are off the ground at the point I'm at, I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot more. So I am okay. at this point finally excited to see the end of the game, um, where it Good. goes and everything that it's going to take to get to that point. But man, did it take such a fucking <laughs> long time to get there. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'll say that. And I'll leave it there. Um, I probably... I'm hoping to fin- like I was telling Josh uh, privately, I'm hoping to finish the game this weekend, and that way I can talk about it just one more time and then leave my thoughts there until we do a CAD on it. But yeah. yeah. So we have two more quick games to talk about. Josh, you've been playing Doko Roko. Um, yes. You want me um, to talk about that, bad boy? Yes, this, this is a game I kickstarted. A while ago now, this one took a little while to come out, uh, basically based off of the pixel art, because this was a first project from an artist, basically, who, who did pixel art and wanted to actually make something creative with it. Um, and so it is a roguelike, mostly combat-focused game with some really cool pixel art uh, behind it as well as some really good music that I, I wasn't expecting the music to be really good just based off of, you know, the little bit of I've, I've, I've been following like the, the um, Kickstarter updates that he releases, but it's, mm. 
I try not to get super in depth with like any sort of additional information that's given out from those. Um, just in order to kind of keep my thoughts fresh whenever the game finally comes out. Um, music's great. Pixel art's great. Um, the controller support not excellent. Um, I, I think it works better with mouse and keyboard. It's currently, only, I think, only on PC anyway, so don't bother plugging a controller. It it just it kind of works better with mouse and keyboard. Um, it's also not remappable controls, so yeah, this is a PC game. Let us remap the controls. It's just come on, that's that's easy enough on PC, and also a huge accessibility boon allowing us to do that so like come on let, let us do this this game only has a couple buttons anyway like it, it's easy enough come on um the, the 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 focus really does seem to be on the combat and it's a it's it's a sort of um you know side scrolling um platformy ish combat to it um with more focusing on like spacing and whatnot um you have a short sword that is way too fucking short that you can get in really close on enemies and hit them with and then the rest of your weapons you've got like a, a traditional, you know, D-pads bound to your weapons with the the top one being that default sword that you can't lose and then everything else is just item drops that have durability throughout a a run which I like uh I've I've talked before about how I actually think weapon durability is a pretty good design that a lot of people shit on because, oh, I'm used to collecting something and it being part of my collection forever. And it's like, no, like that, that that's, it's a legitimate design choice. If you want to do something with it, frankly, and I've also talked about this, I think it worked better in the hard mode that they released as DLC for Breath of the Wild, where you really have to think about it. And this is kind of that. You really have to think about how you're using your weapons here because you'll get like magic weapons that will let you kind of fling spells off of your attacks at range that break much much faster than your your other weapons um your your kind of traditional physical weapons last a lot longer but also they only do standard damage you're only you know getting that swings damage in um it, it, it's a pretty solid combat system as far as that goes. It's it's um not the most complicated. Like, you don't have a parry or anything, but you have a dodge that gives you very few iframes. Frankly, it seems like that could be a little more generous. Um, and your attacks can bounce back projectiles, but also those hitboxes are not out there for very long because it is exacting. You are You, you need to time those hits well in order to deflect projectiles back um the game's really good looking however again this is designed by the artist the focus is on it good looking sometimes it gets busy it's hard to see where you are it's hard to see where enemies are it's hard to see where all the projectiles are there's a lot going on and the focus is on it looking good not you having any idea what's actually happening on screen, uh, mm. which can get very overwhelming, especially on boss fights where bullets are fucking everywhere. 
Um, Just watching the few videos that I did, it seems like it could be hard to see what's happening. Yes. Yeah. It can be hard to parse um, at times, which is. Yeah, kind of kind of a little it's a it's a shortcoming that that, that's going to be an issue, especially if you have any any sort of issues with with, you know, um, vision or with, you know, just that sort of really instant processing of information. Uh, Cause there's just, there's a lot going on. Um, and I, I think that's going to really turn a lot of people off is just the ability to even parse what's happening uh, at any given time. Um, mm. I, I, it, looks, I, it looks beautiful. I will say that. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think it probably it could find an audience. It, it's, it's, it feels the controls feel a little floaty ish, but they're consistent because again, more effort is paid to how this looks T- sort of like animations do this. Like it, it has to look this way. Otherwise, well, how would that even work? Type type things like stuff that games have gotten rid of like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I stop hitting my input in a certain direction. My character, stops right there this game you kind of slow down and stop so you move a little Mm. bit more feels fucking weird feels very weird in a 2d platformer like we're we're used to having exacting sort of controls even if it looks weird and since this was designed by someone who you know like with a visual arts background a lot more focus is paid to it looking good and Mm. Some of that you can you can feel you can feel it when you're playing, because decisions are made aesthetically that a different choice would have been made if it you know was from a gameplay first type of focus. Um, however, like I said, it's it's pretty consistent and you can play around it once you learn it. But whether or not you're gonna be willing to learn it is is kind of the big thing there because it it feels a little bit strange coming into it if you are someone who plays a lot of games um yeah yeah i i i I, there's a lot to like about this game but an awful lot that is just going to make you completely bounce off of it if you're not willing to put up with an awful lot of idiosyncrasies that are kind of getting phased out of gaming at this point because there's enough knowledge of the the pitfalls that you know we've fallen into as a medium before uh and this mm. kind of feels like I was talking about before with the the, the idea of a, sometimes you get developers coming in and just making a game without having a huge you know breadth of experience with gaming as a whole this you can feel that here there's some fresh ideas it's really neat but also, you're going to be putting up with some stuff that you thought we've seen the, the backside of a long time ago, again, here. And, and some completely new problems because, well, you know, it's a completely new, you know, fresh set of eyes on it, um, which is neat. I, like, I kind of like that just, you know, personally from a, you know, it's not the same old shit type of feeling to it but it it could 
I, it would be very easy to get turned off from this game by some of that stuff happening. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it is absolutely going to, um, great on, on you. If, if that's the sort of thing that, you know, really gets under your skin. So. Hmm. Yeah. I, I like, from what I've read of some of the reviews on steam, some people have some issues with the controls and it, they've said that it doesn't feel like a polished game gameplay wise that it's a beautiful game. The music is great, but um, the actual gameplay seems to take a backseat to those qualities. So I can yeah, see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, a lot of the first zone enemies are very, I made an enemy type designs. There's the guy that can shoot the guy that can throw flames at you. And then the guy that tries to run into you cause they're melee. Um, like it, it, very straightforward stuff. And then as you go, you kind of get more, Oh, there's a guy with a big sword. He'll hit you from forever away, but you can, he's got a telegraphed attack so you can move out of the way of it. Like mm. more thoughts gone into it as you go farther into the game. Um, but yeah, that first level is, is a, a little on the rough side. Um, especially since it's a roguelike, so it's procedurally generated and, uh, you can feel a little wonky as, as far as that goes. Um, hmm. Like, it is, it is not the most polished procedural level generation I have seen by a long shot. Um, like, it, it, feels, it feels like some very early procedural level design uh, in here. Which is fun, because, again, like, I've been playing these games since they, frankly, didn't even check if you could get to the fucking exit as far as roguelites go. <laughs> Right. So right, like this, exactly. this is bringing back some nostalgia for me as far as that goes. That a lot yep. of people are not going to be willing to put up with. Right. Um. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, cool. Yeah. Um. Very, very briefly, just wanted to mention Castle Crashers. As I mentioned it last week, I've been playing it a lot. Um. I forgot how hard that game gets at certain points. That's kind of like one of the things I yeah. wanted to mention. I was like, fuck, I forgot how hard this game can be. Especially like the, the little arenas that you do to unlock some of the enemy playable characters. I forgot how fucking hard some of those arenas are. Yeah. Completely spaced it. But It's been, a, it's been forever since I've played that. But yeah, I, I, I do remember some of those. I mean, brawlers in general get that way. Where every now and then they'll just play like, Fuck you. We we decided that you needed 800 enemies of this one type that's yep. been a pain to deal with or whatever. It's like, oh, yep. okay, all right, I guess this is my life now. You've been coasting? Well, get good, Scrub. And that's, yeah, that's <laughs> right? kind of what happened to me. Uh, I also forgot how many secrets there are in the game. Um, I kind of talked about it a little bit last week, but I went and collected all the animal orbs and slowly working on the uh, weapons right now. But, man... um been loving that game just as much as I did the first time. Oh, good, good. Yeah, it's it's been a really fun game, and uh, it's one of those games that I think that people had so much fun with back in the day, and they've kind of they're like, oh yeah, yeah, Castle Crash, yeah, that was fun, that's fun. And then that <laughs> nobody's played it recently because they've. I think a lot of people have forgotten how fucking good that game was when it came out. Yeah, yeah, that's hmm. I don't think it's most overlooked game, but I definitely think no, I I think people have just forgotten how good it is. That was kind of the only brawler for a while there, 
And that's not to say it's mm. like, you know, oh, it's, it's, you know, that's the only reason everyone talks about it. But, like, that genre had basically died out until that game came back. And then it was still dead for quite a while. And it seems like brawlers are finally making a comeback recently with stuff like Streets of Rage 4 and River City Scott Girls. Pilgrim. and Yeah, Scott Pilgrim. And it's like, it's, it's coming back. But, yeah, a lot of right. people don't talk about castle crashers anymore because it was kind of in this no man's land people have talked about a lot of the early great games and mm. I, it, it, it does it gets overlooked at this point by a lot of people um who just weren't there for that particular period in time when you know flash games were king for, mm. for that that whole five years yeah. there right yeah. right exactly um yeah fucking such a good game just want to say that's probably the last thing I'll say about it. Um, <laughs> just that's the other only other game I've played this week. But the last thing we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about it very briefly. There's not too much to talk about here. Uh, the Super Mario movie trailer dropped um, when I woke up. Uh, it was probably your daytime when that dropped. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I was in the midst of sleeping. Watch it this morning, and uh, wow, I was mostly actually really impressed with that trailer. Uh, I think I liked yes. 98% of that trailer. I, yes, I think they did a really, it was a very wise decision to focus on the penguins, the, the, the characters that you can fuck with the most in Mario and people Super won't Mario care about the designs, but also can be as cute as like, just fucking sickeningly just candy sweet cute for you know imagine to go ham with and then also give jack black as much screen time as possible even though the big thing everyone's worried about is mario in this whole thing like they they absolutely led with their strongest foot forward on that um yeah it was very smart of them yes um because he was one of the other characters like i love jack black but when i heard he announced his bowser i was like how the fuck does that work and hearing hearing his voice in the trailer, to be honest with you, because I had really just good. woken up, the second I woke up, I watched it. I was like, "Whose voice is that?" Because <laughs> he he has a he has a little bit of uh, gravel in his voice, and it's a yep. little bit it's a little bit. I mean, it still sounds very much like Jack Black, but also it sounds different enough to where I didn't initially associate it with him. And yeah. I think that's they did a really, really good job of making Bowser still look like bowser but then animating him to just have all the facial tics and expressions that jack black uses it was it was yes they did they did a great job at least with what they've shown us so far of that you know character voice pairing yes and i what i love is the other thing that i think that was really smart about showing so much screen time for him is he feels menacing because in some iterations of their own um ip there have been times where bowser really does seem menacing like super mario 64 he does seem menacing as hell in that game it's it's a good other times yeah especially coming off of uh um odyssey not odyssey the the remake of super mario 3d world it's not land oh yeah yeah, yeah. but anyway the uh, basically the bowser kaiju fights uh that were added in that game oh Um, yes which, like, yeah, like that. 
Yes, have Bowser be shooting jets of flame out like fucking Shin Godzilla. Like, yes, do this. Like it was it was epic. It was epic and like I love I love that whole sequence because it's like yeah. Bowser is menacing. The movie is not taking itself too seriously as it shouldn't, but yeah. they had humor from the get-go because the showing of the penguins. Yeah. That like I actually laughed at that trailer because it, it was pretty good. It, <laughs> it was very good. Like it seems like the the way they filmed it is like the penguins are going to be formidable and then when they actually start attacking they're they throwing a little have a snowball snowball fight. <laughs> yes. That is but uh, a taste of our power. Do oh, you yield? so good. It, yeah, that, that was very well done. That was solid comedy. Like, just the, the timing was. on it. It was, yeah, they did a good job yeah. with that. Yes. So that part was obviously uh, very well done. And I think that universally, from what I've seen online, that whole sequence is praised. Um, yeah. And the animation style, even outside of just that scene, that all the animation they showed, Obviously, the other part, they show Mario falling out of the sky, landing on the mushrooms, and then um, Toadstool, who talks to him about... Yeah, I don't know if it's Toad the, Toad, but one of the Toads. They yes. all kind of have the same name. They do. Whether or not um, it's the Toad. The Toad, right. Yeah, the Toad. That animation is phenomenal as well. Um, yeah, I loved everything about, about that trailer. Um, I'm not as harsh as other people are on the Chris Pratt voice. I will say that. Yeah. I will say this. Um, I, you, you can tell he's trying to do a little bit of a Brooklyn accent in the trailer. Which, yes. Which I think is smart because like him trying to imitate an Italian guy would come off as very, very awkward. It yeah, um, would not work. I, I, no. I think he's got to go with his own voice or, or try for the... And again... This has not been confirmed, but given the one line of Mario dialogue we have so far, they're they're going with the this Mario is from Earth type thing. A mm. la, you know, a lot of our nineties era Mario media. Um right. this this idea of, you know, a Mario from our world getting Isekai into the mushroom kingdom yes, to transplanted in there. Yeah. yeah. Um it makes it makes a little bit more sense, a little bit more, to have um, Chris Pratt as that voice in that scenario. In, but that instead being of, set. yeah, li- at least the way I'm going to justify it in my own mind is that the uh, um, Charles Martinet voice is 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 a is sort of thing that he puts on more and more as he naturalizes into the Mushroom Kingdom society. Uh, because they're just so extra that he couldn't get away with just the usual, traditional, you know, American accent. He, he, right. He's 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 got to bring things up a notch, and until he eventually That's, gets there. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I I'm I'm okay with that. The thing that is for me, like a lot of people are just, oh, this is fucking horrible, and I'm not gonna disagree with anybody. But what I will say is, hearing Chris Pratt's voice with just the ever so slightest Brooklyn accent to it detracts me from what little I saw. Instead of focusing on Mario, the whole time I was thinking, that's Chris Pratt voicing Mario. And I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it took me out of the trailer the second he started talking. And that, to me, is the bigger problem. Not his actual performance, but the fact that 
he doesn't it's yeah i don't think he has the range to like get lend himself to the role jack black has the range he to fucking nailed it to the right role. yeah Ke- keegan michael keenan keegan michael key uh um, there you go sorry it took me a second uh who's going to be playing it's playing toad i thought his voice wasn't going to be modulated knowing that his voice has voice it's has been modulated, hard to tell that was him in that it is and i'm happy yeah. for that he just disappeared i think into that was it. a smart choice yeah i think that was a smart i don't choice know if he'll because... disappear into it the whole time like i'm sure we'll get some lines that are like oh this is a key and peel sketch type thing it's because why, sure. why wouldn't they but yeah but when it's like deliberately like written that way i'm okay with that but yeah. i like key michael key throws himself into the role from what we've seen so far obviously it's very small um yeah jack black does a good job i just don't think chris pratt has the range and then unfortunately that takes me out of the experience of this is a mario movie it, yeah i think a lot of that's so gonna far, depend on so the story far. they're trying to tell because again, they're, it seems like the, with the one line they've given us, they're going to kind of lean into, oh, he's a regular guy from Brooklyn type yes. of a thing, which they've done before. It's neat-ish. I think it's mm. kind of silly that they keep doing that because, I'm, I mean, whatever. It, it makes sense if they're trying to get anybody who has no clue what's going on into the movie. Well, yeah. We've got to explain a lot of stuff. And having Mario be the guy to explain it to sure whatever okay but like mm. mario's got to be the most recognized character in the world after mickey mouse like it's it's, it's it right it's it's got to be mickey mouse mario pikachu one two three right as far as that goes you shouldn't need to explain the mushroom fucking kingdom to us at this point. And so the whole, that framing device, unless they're doing something real special with it, doesn't seem mm. necessary to me at this point. Right, right, exactly. The, you know, it's kind of a shame that Rich and Ray are both not here to residents of New York, uh, yes. long-time residents, to comment on this. I think they'd have probably a lot more to say about it. But the mm-hmm. the one thing other thing I want to say is I'm not saying that I'm completely against Chris Pratt's uh the, sorry, I have two things to say. I'm not I'm not completely against his performance cuz we've heard one line. Was yeah. it the greatest? No. Uh, I'm going to be honest. No. Was it my favorite, but uh we'll see what happens, you know, because Jack Black and Key Michael Key nail their parts. Yeah. That, you know, it's certainly possible that maybe Chris Pratt nails it. Or, you know what, better yet, maybe after the response of the trailer, maybe they'll fire him and get somebody else in. Kind of I like mean, Charles Martinet is always trailer. there. Like, he's the fucking solid voice actor. That's, that's the whole reason he's been Mario for the last 25 years. Yes. If not more, then, like, I think it's slightly over 25 is, at this point. But anyway. Chris, Chris Pratt gets the normies in. That's, yeah. that's the big key there. Uh, the other thing, and I'm going uh, to fully admit this, I unabashedly love Charlie Day, and I unabashedly yeah. love It's Always Sunny. I have loved a lot of the things Charlie Day has done. I am just as nervous about him voicing Luigi as I am about Chris Pratt well, that, voicing that, Honestly, this is one of the reasons I think the Mario as an isekai works, because of Charlie Day. 
not having a fucking clue what's going on in the Mushroom Kingdom as some poor schmuck who got pulled into there from Mm. our world because of, A, Luigi's characterization of being terrified of everything, and B, Charlie Day's completely overwhelmed feeling of, 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 like, character acting. Um, Like, that, that, that could work as far as the framing we've been given so far. Like, literally, the one and a half seconds we got of him in this trailer was him just running away and being scared of everything. Like, right. uh, okay, like, that, yes, that's what I expect out of this at this point. Mm. You showed me what I expected. Um, well, not expected, like, coming into it, but, uh, like, given the framework they had given us earlier on so far. Like, okay, it's an isekai. The Mario brothers are from our world getting sucked in here. Like, okay, all right. I, that, that's what they're doing with this. They, they want someone who can play overwhelmed. Hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, after seeing that trailer, I have much higher hopes of the movie. Like, I know we joked around, is this movie in, even exist? Uh, the, all the announcements where Miyamoto was like, it's a thing. I am working <laughs> on it. Yeah. To finally see it, I'm I'm actually legitimately excited. I will most likely go see it in the movie theater at this point. Um, yeah, yeah, it it looked promising enough. Like there was nothing that was glaring, other than again, like I said, they really didn't show us more than three seconds of Mario in this, um, which was kind of our concern going into it, and they just avoided the question. Um, with that trailer, I mean, obviously, they. If you were watching the presentation they had that they streamed to Comic Con, um, mm. you know, they had Chris Pratt and Jack Black talking about, you know, how excited they were to play these roles and how much they enjoyed the games, you right. know, as a kid. Uh, which, yeah, cool, neat. Of course, you got to get that type of stuff out here. But then, yeah, the trailer itself had almost no Mario in it. Um, and that's kind of been everyone's concern. And they, <laughs> they, they, they really they avoided that question here. Other than, again, like I said, giving us the framework for, okay, this is going to be another Mario as some guy from our world type of a framework. Which, yeah. It's yes, it's 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 not a bad premise. The one um, the one thing I will say is that I think Chris Pratt was brought in as the voice of Mario to obviously sell the thing. And what's telling to me is that everybody on the Internet is talking about Jack Black's performance. And that's what they led with. Not yeah. Chris Pratt. Yeah. And that tells you who's really going to sell that movie. Yes, exactly. So and they could have brought frankly, Charles Martin it in. And they could have still probably put asses in the seats of the theater. They could have. Frankly, they could have. Um, I think. Because there were enough roles that didn't have to be... And granted, like, I I, I say Charles Martinet could have done it. He's mostly done, you know, video game voice acting. Mm. Mostly-ish. He's done other stuff, but, like, that's... Whether or not he could lead a whole movie is is that's still up in the air. Like this may have been, they could have considered it, and maybe just felt like the chops weren't there. I don't know. I've never felt disappointed by anything he's voiced, but also it's been games. Um, 
so who knows um yeah yeah i i I don't know um i'm still willing to give uh chris pratt a chance maybe maybe he'll nail it who knows but um yeah Two of, the, two of the three voice, uh, sorry, three of the four voice acting performances were fantastic. Uh, the Penguin mm-hmm. was also great. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's not to say that Chris Pratt's performance was bad. It was just, it took me out of the experience. So not good or bad, just yeah. detract. Yeah, no, no. and Yeah, yeah. We could leave it there. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Before we get too far into the weeds for a 30 second trailer. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> then we, we become true nerd incarnate at that point. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's going to be the show. I just want to say thank you for listening. If you want to check out more content from us, head over to sorechomp.com. We have three other podcasts. We have an article section. We have a merch store for you to check out some threads. And on there, you can access our Patreon or go to patreon.com slash sorechomp, which there are multiple tiers for you to get in on helps keep the lights on and um, allows us to make amazing content like this. So that's patreon.com slash swordchomp. Patreon.com slash swordchomp. You beautiful people. But um, Josh, thanks for being here. Um, Hopefully Rich recovers from his ordeal at the abandoned insane asylum. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be determined. I don't know I if mean, we can tell I could... a difference, obviously. Like, like, really? It's true. He, he could be a different... Yeah. I'll say this. I yeah. rec- if I can recover from the spiders, I believe he can recover from the I th- insane asylum. I think so. I think so. I, th- I think... <sighs> I, I think he'll be back up to our usual standards of, uh, you know... 2.5 good seconds of comedy per show <laughs> with, 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 within a month or two. I swear we're almost at the one minute mark. Mm-hmm. We're almost there. <laughs> I can feel it. It's so close. Uh, but anyways, uh, thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with another exciting fun episode of the Chomcast. Take care.